Nerd. Uh, wait, D and D and the word nerd together. I don't see it. Well, I don't know. I have you know. I have you know that I played D and D. There for, you go. For that many years. Yeah. There you go. All right. Yeah. That'll make sense. So I don't see the. Yeah, I got cor- you. Yeah, that'll make sense. There's no. You're not, yeah, it all makes sense. It's not a core. Not a core. I appreciate the the confirmation. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. And this week, we begin the show by being, my, my being really late. That's how we start the show this oh, week. Oh, okay. You don't know that out there. We turn back our Dedrick's uh, an hour. <laughs> it feels like, it feels like everything just... It's Dedrick savings time. Came out when it's supposed to. This came out on a Saturday. I don't know when it came out on a Saturday. Mm. It might have come out early. Halloween Eve Eve. It might have come out later. I am going away on the weekend, so uh, not very far, but I'm going away on the weekend. For Lisa's birthday, we we're taking a, a short jaunt to a different municipality. <laughs> we're not even leaving the region, but we're going away. Uh, so, um, because it is, yeah, it's your wife's birthday on it, Halloween. Lisa's birthday on Halloween, that's right. So yeah. we're going to a hot spring. Ah. To spend the, an evening there. So we're gonna. Nice. The only, the only part that I'm, not that it's terrible, but normally there's like a kind of a nice restaurant as part of the hotel, but apparently it is closed right now due to COVID. So. <sighs> is there anything that doesn't fuck up? <laughs> yes, it's endless. I have no idea what their protocol is for, for people sharing the hot springs together. So hmm. I imagine masks, ahoy. I ho- Hopefully when we go there, they will check our, our uh, vaccination records. I'm betting that it's going to be masks on deck and then in the hot spring, no masks. Is that how it's been with pools? Yeah. It's a little different, though. Like, it's not, well... Because there are, there are hot tubs at pools. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... Uh, your masks are off to the side. Sure. Okay. In a plastic bag if you're smart. <laughs> That's what I, uh, I've learned. Here's a tip. Yeah, don't put, Pro like, tip. your just loosey-goosey mask on a, on a pool deck, you fool. Like, what's... Good God. You're going to yeah, get that's... an athlete's foot face. Right? That's just not a good idea. Athlete's foot? I guess. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of people walking around. It's true, and I didn't know. Like, I mean, I I went. I still go to the gym, but I went to the gym for several years, taking a shower there every day. I would finish my workout, and I would go upstairs and have a shower. Mm-hmm. It was a very pleasant thing to do, and yeah. it saved hot water at home. That means something to me. Yeah, and um, and you, and everyone can hear you sing when you're there too, which is nice. Oh. Yeah, at home, you know, no one, everyone's like, ah, at this public shower, what can they do? I talk to the trees. <laughs> and, um, but all that time, I never wore like shower sandals or anything. I didn't even, didn't even know that was, a th- I saw people wearing them when I was having a shower and I'd be like, look at that weirdo wearing sandals in the shower. But then an acquaintance of mine, actually someone I worked with, um, Got plantar warts. Yeah. From the shower yeah, at his gym. Yeah, those are nasty. Yeah, yeah. And it was very nasty. And he had a lot of problems with that. And I, I, I just thought, well, there for the grace of God went I, because for whatever reason, I completely, I don't know if the, this gym was a little bit more up on its hygiene in the showers or what. I have no idea. Or I was just a lucky, lucky person. Or maybe I'm plantar wart resistant. 
Yeah, test it out. I should test that out. Or maybe it's all a hoax. So yeah, no, I no, I wouldn't. I would not think about. I wouldn't dream of having a, a shower at the gym without. Uh, actually, I would never g- think about having a shower at the gym I go to now. It's a kind of a grotty gym. Oh, it's like, it's like not, you wouldn't dream of showers at the gym. It's, it's like that's interesting. By the way, while you're still talking, I just yeah, yeah. I've got to free a cat that I locked downstairs. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you... he's wandering around right now, going, "Um, <laughs> excuse me, yeah, exactly. excuse me." Oh, well, I don't have warts. I was saying I, I escaped them. So okay. I've learned a hard lesson. But yeah, the gym I go to now, uh, it doesn't, it never feels very clean to me. Not even like in the, the regular gym space itself. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate, but it, it has the, uh, car, the card wavy thingy that lets me go there 24 hours a day. So it's so convenient that I just, I have, I have to overlook the uh, drawbacks. Yeah. Whenever I uh, shower at the gym, I just wear uh, condoms on my feet. Oh, you just cover your feet and go on. Yeah. Sometimes there's free ones, you know, at the health clinic next yeah, door. Yeah, sure. You know, so, you know, who's saving idea. money on slippers? Me. So you have very small feet. Eh. <laughs> you know, you can ask for the extra large. Sure you can. No one <laughs> no one believes it. But yeah. And it's like, huh? The guy goes through a lot of them. <laughs> That's right. Can I get the extra large, please? It's okay if they fall off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what the garters just are for. Just as long as you can go to the counter and put them on the counter. Yeah. Look at that. Extra large. These aren't quite. They're still tight. Yeah, yeah I always say that. I, well, I always do. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're different than me. And then you give a little wink. And then you <laughs> skip out the door. And you're like, "Who's that guy? That's the neighborhood creep." <laughs> Another <laughs> local condom owner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, so. Uh, there's a tip for all of you. Uh, be, be safe at the uh, be safe at the showers at the gym and the pool. So you you go to the you go to the Cool, right? I do. Do you wear sandals when you? I do not. I should. You're correct. I think that uh, personally, I think that like um, I think with his problem was like the showers had that wooden grating in it. You know what I mean? Like okay. supposedly that's better, but I think that's actually like a real germ trap. The wood, the wood inside the shower, and I, I think it's better if you're just standing on tile. I don't. I, I think it seems to me less likely that you're gonna get this sort of problem. But I, to be honest, I have no idea. We, you know what? I just don't. I don't want to know about it, really. You don't want to know. That's the important thing. Is as long as you don't know. Yeah, that's what they used to say on GI Joe. The <laughs> less you know, go Joe. That's what they said. Well, yeah. Like, and also, there was who wants to know, go Joe. <laughs> that's a other way. You yeah. know, because you don't want to ask too much about the mission. Like, yeah. are we like, are we the army? Yeah. And it's like the less you know, go Joe. And it's like okay, but Cobra are yeah. they also American? Are they an American organization? Like you say, they're terrorists, but are they out of the country? Mm. Or are they, what are they? The less you know, go Joe. It's like, okay. <laughs> don't ask me. Don't who knows? Ask me who wants to know, go Joe. Yeah. Don't What's ask many questions about what, what lives inside you. You don't yeah. want to know. What happened with Snake Eyes? How did he lose his voice? <laughs> go Joe. <laughs> did he lose his voice? I guess he did. Yes, he did. You saw the Snake Eyes movie and he still had a voice by the end of it. There was no. Set up of just I like, always imagine the one thing you want to know is like how do he lose his voice? No, I would prefer to think that he just doesn't can't be bothered to talk. Mm. Like he could talk, but what has he got to say? Like he's above you. Like he's better than you. He's better than Joe. Oh, he's he's just, he's there. Does he think he's better than Scarlet? Yeah. Ooh. He's how just, about uh, how about Refrigerator Perry? Does he think he's better than him? <laughs> thinks he's better than Refrigerator Perry. Okay, wait a second. What about yeah. when they team up with the Transformers? Does he think he's better than Optimus Prime? He can't think he's better than Optimus Prime. Why not? He's Snake Eyes. All right. You seen that guy jump on swords in a canyon? Yeah. And to yeah. be fair, Optimus Prime ain't great. 
No. That guy's a bit of a boob. Like, he does end up getting killed a lot, and he's not good <laughs> at his job. Yeah. You know? What is his job? Fucking up is what his job what is. Because anytime you ever have a he's thing, really good at it then. Yeah, it's like five years later, what happened? Well, the Decepticons won. Well, always, you, you ass. <laughs> the truck has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Well, he's a truck. Let's let uh, kind. Blastar or whatever that guy, Master Blaster or whatever that guy's name is, mm. the, you know, the boombox, let him uh, give it a shot. Okay. I mean, the guy who's the microscope. Yeah. He's probably got a different perspective sure, on things. Sure. And he's no good in a fight. <laughs> Why do you want him? <laughs> he's, always, he's always applying like scientific principles to what he's doing. I always used to think like if I was, uh, if I was a Decepticon fighting mm. the Autobots, I'd go, I take the microscope. <laughs> What are you? I'm a fighter jet, and oh, I'll fight the microscope. Oh, dear. Yeah. That would make me nervous. Yeah, I just think Snake Eyes is, you know, he just he just can't be bothered. Like, he's he's there. Yeah. But he's just there, like, he's, he's just, it's forbearance, right? He's just there. He's just, you know, he's just like, oh, okay, I gotta, gotta help these guys out. Otherwise, they're gonna be totally lost without me. But I, I'm not gonna participate any more than I have to. Yeah. That's his attitude. But I like that attitude. Because he's right. Yeah. They're a bunch of losers. He's the best guy. Well, to be fair, second G.I. Joe movie, they all die. <laughs> except him. Yep. And I think like one other guy. And then The Rock, I think, just shows up. Just goes, anyone need any help? I'm like, yeah, thanks, Rock. Are you part of G.I. Joe? And he goes, I don't fucking know. And, and everyone just shrugs their shoulders and just goes, I don't know either. What is this movie? And they all go, I don't know. Let's just do it. Let's just keep going. And then, <laughs> then they do the movie. Then at one point, they just turn it all over to Snake Eyes for a bit. I know that, I I know that movie's garbage, but I, but I like it a lot. Okay. I mean, I watched it. You don't once. have to not like it. It's uh, it's just you know uh, they do kill all the G.I. Joes like right off the top. Yeah, that's what I like about yeah. it. Boom. Oh, no <laughs> one, no Cobra plan involved a bomb before? Well, <laughs> good on whoever brought that up at the meeting. It was more like a missile strike. It wasn't mm. just a bomb. Oh, it was a missile, was it? Was it was like a surprise missile attack, yeah. yeah they, they, weren't exp- they were having a heart-to-heart. <laughs> Joe and his friend, whose name I don't know. Nor the actor who played him. Did someone remember. get promoted for that? Like, because really, whoever suggested the missile strike at yeah. Cobra should just be okay. You're Cobra Commander. <laughs> I don't care. Why was it a Cobra Commander who suggested it? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was. Was Cobra <laughs> Commander in it? Who's Serpentor? Isn't he the boss? Remember Serpentor? Is he's he like, is, is he a, a lord? Well, he's the guy who does this. So we must get the Joes. That guy takes a million years to talk. <laughs> you're like are you part snake or are you just doing a thing i thought his name was pentor but he was knighted maybe i think i think cobra commander is the one who basically has the same voice as starscream he's like well we should destroy the joes and it's like it's like he's got that same voice that also skeletor has <laughs> that they're just off-putting voices <laughs> that's just be a hard job yeah it must be a, it's not the best job for the person doing the voices <laughs> this is terrible life on your throat um though i always did want to see like someone who uh was a well, has a villain's voice but actually really good we should help the children <laughs> find the true meaning of christmas <laughs> i'll be your marrow donor <laughs> i'm like oh that thanks i really could use that <laughs> i'm a perfect match <laughs> That would be how could i not that would be good like he's a good person but he just sounds so horrible just sounds like a villain yeah 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 yeah. that's right he couldn't help it it's kind of like that kids in the whole character who couldn't he had that's his sarcasm happy anniversary (laughs) (laughs) your love is an inspiration to us all (laughs) i'm truly happy for you (laughs) no no i mean it 
Yeah. <laughs> Why are you so angry? Huh? I'm not angry. I'm quite happy. <laughs> Why would you think I'm angry? Excuse me, I've got to serve out this soup. There you are. Christ be with you. Christ be with you. And also with you. That's my brother. He's come. And so on and so forth. It's a family reunion. Yeah. What's his name? Bloodbone. Really? Okay. Half his face is like skull. <laughs> the other half is lizard, but he's a really nice guy. It's so weird. Yeah, it's weird. You'd think he'd be a bad guy. He's always getting profiled, probably. He's, Poor guy. For a guy with no profile. All the prejudice he's grown up with his whole life, he was treated like he was making hatching evil plans. Yeah, and that's what made him a better person. That's right. Like he went, I'm not going to treat people like, uh, like, <laughs> like I've been treated. That's right. Yeah, he has absolutely no prejudice. He's a great guy. That's right. Bloodbone, what are you doing? I'm reading. No, you're plotting something. I'm reading to the blind. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you? Is it okay if I call you blind? <laughs> Sight impaired. <laughs> I'm he, him. My pronouns are. I'm an ally. I'm so sorry for yelling into this microphone, everybody. <laughs> I'm really, really uh, I'm sorry. getting the brunt of it right now. So. Now that's a yeah. Well, you can take it. Uh, it's true. You're uh, getting paid for it. So <laughs> it's in uh, Sour Patch Kids, mm-hmm. unlimited supply. Yep. What's your uh, candy for uh, Halloween giving away this year? Mm-hmm. Gonna do the full size bars again. Of what? Oh, by I, the way, talking about candy bars is mandatory on this podcast. <laughs> well, especially Once we've this, done this. this uh, it will be covered. Okay, go ahead. Saying that, I don't have. I don't even have them yet. Mm. I better. Uh, is that a Costco trip, or where do you get yours? Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to the girls. I don't have a Costco membership, so I might be buying a couple of boxes at the dollar store. Anyway, um, I would prefer. I last time a friend of mine picked them up for me, and he got like one I thought was a good one. It had like Snickers and Kit Kat and some other like the good ones. Yeah, but the other one he got was O Henry, and then a bunch of like what do they call those ones? Um, like the Nestle bars or whatever, like crunch, like cookies and cream. Yeah, not as good. Yeah, like I thought that. Well, that's low. That's down market. But when I was there a little while ago, uh, Costco, I noticed they had like a third choice, and that one was equally good, like f- full of ones that I think are more exciting, like than those kind. So okay, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah, I got to put in an order with the girls. I better get them on that. Okay. Should it uh, should it get bad? Here's what you can do with Costco, though. If you go through, and you know, I don't know if this is an evil corporation or not. If it is, I apologize. Uh, but like, if you go through uh, Instacart, uh, they'll shop at Costco for you, and you don't need a membership. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I've done that before when I've needed like bulk stuff or sure, some, sure. some such. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, or a, a, an above ground pool. I need that. I'll just call them up. Go bring bring me a pool, please. Then I'll then they'll come and I'll go. I didn't order this. I'm like what? I'm just getting get it. Bring it in here. Then we all have a swim together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just go in and just flash my uh, flash a card that looks like a Costco card really quickly as I walk in the door. Yeah. Then you can get those hot dogs. That's the only thing you can't get from the Instacart is they won't be able to get you the hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Really good hot dogs. Hey, there. That's an example. They're a good corporation because they haven't raised their hot dog prices since they introduced them. Well, I mean, that's the bait. Fishermen <laughs> don't raise the price on the worm. <laughs> no, the worm's free. You're right. Yeah, the worm is the worm still is free. the same price it's always it's been. It's still free. If even after all these years of inflation, worms are still free. You're yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and I'm fine. I'm I'm the, I'm the fish. Well, worms are part bait. of the uh, underground economy. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, makes sense actually. See, that's a nice uh, monetary joke. We're all having a good time. It's also a biological joke. It covers uh, two bases. Sure, but you know the government. You know what some the, college? That's what I got. Well, you know this whole COVID, this whole pandemic thing is to get rid of the underground economy, of course, because they want to get rid of money. Oh boy, do they ever! <laughs> government hates money. Oh, I would just like one of these uh, damn uh, plans to work. Let's just, let's, all right, fine. You know, you have your conspiracy theory. Let's see it work. You know, uh, did it work? Okay, fine. It's nice to know something works. <laughs> then fine, let's all conspire. By the fire. Yeah. Walking in a winter wonderland. <laughs> um, at least at school, someone, no one knows who, uh, put these, uh, like an 11-page pamphlet, like a uh, COVID conspiracy pamphlet into all the teachers' boxes. So it's a staff member that did it, mm. but no one knows who this person is. But mm-hmm. it's full of conspiracy theories and, you know, do the research. Any cartoons? <laughs> I hope so. Otherwise, it's pretty dry. Do you think it's, uh, again, did she, did she read it? And she didn't even see it. it they, they, got, they were put in there. Someone found it, reported it to the administration, and the admin came and took them all out. And, I just I'm, I, them. I like reading sometimes stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, where you don't know who it's from because I think I'm usually pretty good at like getting someone's cadence from their writing. Okay. Or like little things that like I remember uh, like a while back where my stepfather was writing things under my mother's name, uh, uh, but he could not uh, resist using the ellipses because he was a real ellipses guy, and he also used <laughs> commas in a weird way. Sure. And it was like, well, this is him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I, I I pick up on that kind of stuff like. Mm-hmm. Everyone writes in a in their own unique way. Well, he and writes so, when he's on the ellipses trainer. <laughs> there you are, uh, and uh, yeah, it's you just read it and go, hmm, yeah, okay, or or whatever they focus on. You're like, ah, oh, that sounds like, mm, yeah, I know who's mm-hmm. got a problem with that mm-hmm. and this aspect of this, and because it's all make them ups. <laughs> is yeah. that a, is that a drag like ha- for 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 her knowing someone there is a uh, well, there's that a, stuff out. There's a person that she now describes. He's kind of he hangs around the stuff room a lot it sounds like a who he calls a proud boy she calls a proud boy oh that's nice so he was there yeah he was there today talking about uh talking down the jews which feels <laughs> like feels a little dated like what are you doing in a lunchroom engaging in this sort of like weird uh conspiracies but and i guess there was a teacher there who was kind of like at uh, least said he's he's a nice person i'm laughing by the way out of uh just no, what the what yeah. the fuck and the fuck that's that's not what... as in like good on him but as in uh, <laughs> i think you're picking up on that that i'm not doing that but as in uh, like it's yeah. so stupid no so when you gave the thumbs up you meant thumbs down right yeah before i gave you that okay uh symbol okay symbol you meant you didn't mean it was okay no yeah you meant this is okay for you to talk about mhm okay that's fine um yeah he was um yeah, he was going on about that, and I guess this teacher was there, was kind of like, you know, asking him questions about this. Just sort of pointedly, you know, I don't think, she said he's a very nice person, so I think she said it was sort of the Socratic method, you know, to sort of like ask questions. Don't argue, but ask questions to see where, where this person, you know, how insane are you exactly? But I guess when he left, another person, another SEA, this one guy's a probably is an SEA, he's not actually a teacher there, he's a educational assistant. He, um... There's another educational assistant there, and he goes, wait till he reads about Bilderberg. I guess he'll blow his mind when he finds out. I don't know what Bilderberg is. I'm sorry. It's like that. That's what it's called. I think Bilderberg or something like that. You know, it's like a trade council or whatever. It's like a it's a big thing in conspiracy theories. It's a okay. big, is it connected with Bilderberg? That's what the joke I made in the car the ride on the way home. <laughs> Good. 
We're on track. We're right on here. track as usual. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm not hip to a lot of the conspiracy theories. I'm yeah, sure. no, this is like a an old one. It's okay. uh, you know, it's it's it kind of ties into the whole Jewish banking conspiracy mm-hmm. and how you know they've controlled the money since right. the Middle Ages. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and <laughs> I've heard though, just the nickels. They just, control the money, but yeah. just nickels. Just nickels. Yeah. And that's enough. Yeah. Like, you think, like, oh, who cares? Sure. It's just like, I don't know, how often you use a nickel? And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, well, since the pennies have gone. Yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. So, smart move there, which is why you'll never see the nickels go away. Sure. Well, then they teamed up with the gypsies so they could five and dime you. Because the gypsies deserve going to have all the dimes. So. Okay. It's just... Everyone knows these things, Ian. I sure. think if you follow the, if you follow, follow the, the money, follow the, follow the money, do your own research. The pennies were controlled by the Dutch and they didn't uh, know what they were doing. So go, we lost the pennies. Go to an unbiased website like IHateJews.com <laughs> and then you will find there this information. It's all, it's all written out for you. By the way, when people uh, have the audio translation of this show and like it's written out and then people do Google searches uh, and then this show comes up, uh, hi. <laughs> Oops. I don't, we don't have we don't have those things done, but okay, that's fine. Not yet. Uh, but in the in the future, in my the friend. future, in my in, uh, in uh, that guy who does Infowars. Yeah, Alex Jones. Alex Jones is a big Bilderberg. Recently sued. Big build Bilderberg. Um, yeah, by the um, by the uh, Sandy Hook families, right? Yep. Actually, there's lost a that one. Yeah. There's that's a show good. that podcast that Mary listens to called Knowledge Fight. And they kind of go through and parse out Alex Jones' uh, nonsense. But they had the lawyer from that um, case on their show. I think it was episode 504, if anyone's interested in hearing about the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Because apparently, according to this lawyer, they... And this is through Mary. I have not listened to the show yet. She recommended I listen to it, but I, I was planning on listening to it tonight on my way home. But she said that this lawyer was talking about how the fact that Alex Jones had three different opportunities to, pre- to prevent findings... Uh, and each time he failed to to show up. The first time should have been it, but they kept giving him more and more leniency. And I said, "Well, why would they do that?" And she said, "Because they don't want him to say he they, they don't want him to be able to say I was railroaded. So if they just you know clamp you know just come down on him right away, even though that's what they should legally should do, yeah, he can easily just say you know the courts railroaded me. I had no chance. You know I had tons of information I wanted to present. Yeah, but they closed me down and shut me down, and I couldn't." I couldn't present it, you know. And now I'm going to yell at you guys and tell you all the information that I have. Yeah, it's basically what the my pillow guy is going through right now with the uh, voter fraud stuff and Rudy Giuliani. It's the same thing. It's like, well, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Well, what do you mean? Well, let's put you under oath, okay? And then Rudy, Rudy goes under oath. Like, well, what where is it? Well, I I saw it on Facebook. Oh, did you? <laughs> okay. Well, that's nothing. <laughs> all right, and now uh, go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, and then that there's a third person that. Uh, lady lawyer as well who's also and her argument was kind of the same with alex jones argument which is that it's a performance Mm. that it's not Mm. that he used when he was uh going through his divorce case with his wife and they were of course presenting the fact that he's a lunatic and he's like well i'm not really a lunatic i'm just acting like when it's a performance as a lunatic and she made the same case this lady that she was performing Mm -hmm. uh as a lunatic for this for the case you know okay so her claims that you know uh who are Roberto Clemente? No, that's not his name. But anyway, <laughs> the guy from Venezuela, you know, all that, all that stuff is just, you know, it's just a performance. I didn't actually mean those things. So it's, you can't sue me for that because it was just me performing could you, as could, a maniac. Could they then like say, send them to jail and then, and then when they're in jail and they go, I don't want to be in jail. It's like, oh, you're not in jail. 
This is just a jail experience. <laughs> You're not yeah. actually in jail. Yeah, this yeah. is a this is a show. It's a performance art. It's a performance yeah. art thing because yeah. we're going to yeah. set a camera up so people can watch it. Sure. It's just an illusion. <laughs> But Did if you, you believe that you're in jail, that would really help. So uh, thank you, thank you very much for uh, continuing the performance. Did this you know- is where your character would go. We're just we're jailing your character, not you. Unfortunately, the only one who can perform your character is you. So we're going to have to put you in jail. But let's be clear: yeah. we're not jailing Alex Jones. We're jailing the character of Alex Jones. Enjoy, please. I don't think he can go to jail though. Right, this they were suing him. Yeah, they were suing it's for civil, damage. I yeah, don't. It's know. a civil. It's a civil trial. I so. think. I think he can if he was one of the instigators of the January. That 6th. would have to be a criminal trial. That'd separate, be, yeah, separate that's a separate. That's yeah. a separate thing. But I think yeah. there's enough things that he's done that if you're if you're wanting to go down that road, there's a road <laughs> to go down. Sure. Um, did you know Dominion Voting Systems is a Canadian company? My dad used to work for Dominion Glass. Are they connected in Hence any way? the name Dominion. Well, there was Dominion Bank. So it mm-hmm. became Toronto Dominion Bank when they when they aligned. Um, no, I didn't know it was a Canadian company. Yeah, I didn't realize that either because it's kind of funny. Like here in Canada, we don't use voting machines when we vote. We use pen and paper. We yeah. have pencil and paper. You mark your choice and you put it into a and We use a box. Laurentian uh, uh, pencil. We use a Laurentian. Whatever color Laurentian. we want. <laughs> pencil crayon. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I always... Color the cabin. I would just draw yep. the cabin and color it in with my with my. Yeah, you've got to color the entire cabin because they can't vote. So I just draw a picture and put it in. Might as well entertain the folks. And they call him one of the log cabin voters. That's right. <laughs> the votes don't count, but he's doing a character yeah. called the guy who can vote. <laughs> the guy who voted once. Yeah. Have you ever voted? Voted? Yeah. Oh, you have. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Maybe I did. Oh, okay. Maybe, I know. All right. Let me ask I you a question. Let me ask you a sure, separate question. Sure. Have you ever legally voted? Have that, you ever legally no, voted? I've never legally voted. Oh, that's good. That's good. Then let's end it there. But I may be oh, illegally boy. voted. Oh, boy. I, well, what are we doing? You know those? Okay. Listen. We were just like teasing the conspiracy fish, and now you're uh, now you're uh, baiting them. And that worm. Ugh. It's so expensive, that worm. Wait, no. It hasn't gone up? It's free. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Good. I was playing a character. Call the character who confesses on his podcast too much. <laughs> uh, I believe in honesty. <laughs> okay. Good. Do you believe in the consequences for honesty? Those are two separate things. Those are two separate things. Yeah, very good. They got to prove it. I know. You were dodgy about what chocolate bars you were giving out earlier. And now I all of a sudden, dodgy. I confess to it all. I was uh, telling it right away. I can't remember what the chocolate bars are called, but I was telling it right away. I just can't remember what's in the pack. You know, there's like four different chocolate bars in a pack. So you get like... Kit Kat and Coffee Crisp yeah. and, and whatever else. If I was going full chocolate bars, I'd go nothing but curly whirlies. Just tons of curly really, whirlies. What, do you want to break all, your kid, all the kids' hearts? I, what do you mean? Don't, don't oh, do you love curly whirlies? I do love a curly whirlie. Oh, you don't okay. like a wigwag, a curly whirly, a marathon I, I bar? Like, I like them. But they're not like, they're not like a, a premium... I mean, I love a big Turk, but I'm not going to pretend that no, no, that's no. like something that people want to get in a bag. The little kids who are fans of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, yeah. <laughs> so like a bit of Narnia. I have to do that before. I, I dress as Mr. Kansas? What is his name? You know, the... Mr. Kansas, yeah. What is his name? The Fawn. Yeah, the Fawn. Yeah, I know. I've done I've done jokes about him in the Simpsons comics, I know. And I can't remember what it is. I can't remember at the moment. Because I reckon... Let me go grab a trade paperback. I'd be able to look it up. But anyway, yeah, I dress as him when the kids come to the door. And uh, much used, like the used actor, to be the Snow Queen, much like the actor in Manos Hands of Fate, I have permanently just wrecked my legs with my fawn <laughs> costume. So. 
Who was the Snow Queen in the uh, movie? Was she Tilda was... Swinton? Oh, of course she was. Yes. Why wouldn't she? Be? Why would, who else would you get? Who for else that would you get? That would be ridiculous. She didn't even have to dress to not... up. She just showed up. <laughs> she showed up. Didn't even need makeup. They're just like you yeah. are the Snow Queen. Done. Okay. Yeah. Basically, any character that she plays, she doesn't need to dress up. They just come in, and just like you're the ancient one. Done. You're that vampire mm. in uh, what is it? Uh, Only lovers left alive. Good movie. Yeah. First movie I saw her in was Constantine. It's the first one I remember mm. seeing her in. Anyway. Yeah, she didn't have to dress up for that one either. No, played an angel. I didn't not, did not like her in that movie. Like I did not like her character, but she because she did it so well that she was very unlikable. I, I, unlikable, I felt. They took the character of Constantine off of Legends of Tomorrow, but mm-hmm. they're going to have the actor playing a different character. So I am expecting oh. they're going to do another Constantine movie or some such, and they want that character back. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. That is my suspicion. That's so funny. Matt Ryan is uh, is playing someone different now. That's a very Dark Shadows move there. Oh, is it? Yeah, to have like a character show up with a, as a different, like a same actor show yeah. up with a different character. As we can, we were talking about uh, Jeff Clark returning as Ned Stewart. Okay. In this... Uh, yeah, Who? that is a very that's you know what that's just a very soap opera move. It is really, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come yeah. back as a twin brother or even just sure. someone just completely different. Yeah, it's just but you just like the actor, so just keep him in the cast, keep him in the rotating. Put a patch over his eye. The, the troop, keep him in the troop. Yeah, I wonder if uh, soap operas are easy to do or hard. Like I think, I, Dark I Shadows, I would say would be hard. That'd be very hard to do, and I think you're looking for a particular skill set. And when you find people who can work under that pressure. You don't want to just throw them out the door when when your when their character gets uh, murdered, which is going to happen anyway. Yeah, or, or when they disappear into the past or whatever. You know, I just look at sometimes you look at some actors who are in soap operas and mm-hmm. go, they're very handsome, so you expect that they're dummies. Mm. You know, and I don't want to be prejudiced against the uh, very attractive. Yeah. I mean, I've I am you know of course, um, <laughs> duh, I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> But you go like maybe maybe this person's a dummy and maybe maybe they're maybe part of being a dummy is okay because you can memorize things because you don't have stuff in your head already so you get to fill it up with that I think and that's just how regurgitate. It works. I think that's how it works. I, don't know. I think there's some people who can like uh, memorize stuff and then uh, spew it back out and uh, that and nothing sticks but they but they're able to do that that's their skill. Well, but I wonder about that. So when I see yeah. soap operas and I'm like, how much actually acting do you have to do a day? Like five minutes? That's your scene. So you've got to memorize five minutes of dialogue a day. Okay, and do your thing. Okay, maybe maybe it's hard. Maybe it's not. You know, you don't have to run. You're in a room. You're just basically <laughs> think, talking. Lots of close-ups. I get, it depends who your who your character is in the show. How much talking you have to do. <laughs> but you don't have to run. You don't have to no. move around. No, it's a lot of sitting. It's a lot of yeah. uh, accusing and pointing. Sure, and so occasionally a smooch. But doctors don't have to run either, and I would think that's a difficult job. Oh, act- doctors have to run all the time, and and friggin' th- like they always are running, except for House, are you who just, was smart no, no, and like uh, real, had a cane. I'm talking about real doctors, not not pretend doctors. Oh, I'm talking about just showbiz doctors, yeah, yeah, which are yeah. the real. I mean, I think I think TV doctors are realer doctors than doctors. <laughs> okay, because, because and I'll say this, yeah. Real doctors are inspired to become doctors from TV doctors, yet TV doctors are not inspired to become doctors from from real doctors. They are inspired become to be actors, doctor- become actors by, by no, real, no. I'm by saying the doctors. TV doctors are inspired to be TV doctors from yeah. other TV doctors who have had successful TV doctor shows. So it's all TV doctors that are the inspiration, not real doctors who just okay. will give you a little bit of information and not fall in love with you. I thought you were going to tell me that real doctors are inspired to become doctors because they see TV doctors. And real actors are inspired to become actors because they see TV actors. And so then they become actors. Okay. Well, what if you're, say, you you write like Route 66. Yeah. And then you become a TV doctor. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? It's called Right Place, Right Time. Okay. 
What if your book. wife also becomes a character on the show? That's and what, she becomes nurse. Uh, yeah, uh, Dixie. You're, you're confusing. You're confusing the order of things. So you're confusing the order. Of oh, things. was she? Uh, she cast was first. She was cast first. He was hanging around because he was her husband. Right. And they said, "Well, you look like a doctor. Do you want to play a doctor?" And he he said, "Sure." And they went, "Aces, you're in." And and they went like, "Okay, but you got to sound like you're a Howie Mandel character. What's your name?" And he went, "Bobby Troop." They went like, that does sound like a Howie Mandel character. Okay, yes, you're hired. And what's the character being called? Dr. Early. Even better. Yep. Even better. Yeah. Well, this is the second time we brought him up in a short short period of time. Look. Why are you thinking about... Route I'm thinking 66? about, you know, when we do our emergency podcast. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Yeah. I bet you there's none, none out there. You know what? I don't even care if there's others out there. Ours would be oh, better. What is the code? It's like... RH40, oh, what the hell is it? They always say, like, the code when they're uh, going out to uh, an emergency, and it's the code for the uh, station. And okay. I, used to, I used to know it. That would be the name of the podcast, would be the code. That would, that's a good one. And people would go, ah, deep, I get it. Deep cut. And you know what you should do? You should, like, start the podcast and never get around to it. You should just ramble <laughs> on about other bullshit. <laughs> Why? Is that the show? Yeah, and then, no, you should. You should just ramble on about okay. other bullshit, and then at the end of it, just like, and I think the... There was someone hanging off a sign. We're out of time. Anyway, <laughs> tune in next week. Listen to us eat some chili. Yep. Yeah, Chet. it'll be a chili recipe one week. Chet's chili. Oh, yeah. Look into that recipe. It's too spicy, Chet's chili. Or was Chet's chili too mild? I don't know. I think Johnny I think Johnny liked it hot. I need to watch that show again. You do. We all do. Don't confuse it with that other show that's on TV called Emergency without an exclamation mark disappoints me every time i'm like oh <laughs> what is that show about i don't know real shit people oh, doing things real, real saving stuff? lives uh, and being real and helping people eh. you know Ugh. what are you doing what are you thinking that's not what uh that's not what tv's all about yeah it's about uh wild fiction and speculation and uh and people uh wanting to marry a bachelorette mm. and uh and then they get married i don't know if they get married at the end or not i've never actually seen the bachelor or the bachelorette I have not either. Apparently, one is given a rose. Have they done... I guess they haven't. But I was thinking, like, have they done a polygamous bachelorette yet? Where she gets to pick a couple of them. Oh. That'd be nice. Get, like, three. Sure. You know? One of them's going to work out. If nothing else, you know, just, yeah. just go... The yeah. odds are better. Yeah. The odds are better. No, I don't know. Elisa's been watching a lot of what I would call garbage in the morning when she's preparing for school. Okay. Sitting, sitting on Facebook, watching TV. Um... Watching a show called Chicago Med, I think it's called. Well, yeah, there's Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, and Chicago PD. So Chicago Med. Let me just tell you, garbage, garbage Why all is the that? way. I don't. It's just so awful. I don't. I don't see it. Like I just see bits of it. I'll just mm-hmm. be like walking past, and I'll look look at what's going on. I'm just like, that's not even how things work anywhere <laughs> in the world. But okay, this is ridiculous. Like their whole like idea of what a hospital is just seems weird. Although I'll, we'll give them points for this. Mm-hmm. They have a hospital administrator. Which you rarely see okay. in like any kind of hospital Are they drama. good at their job? Or do they stand in the way with too much bureaucracy? Get out of the way and let them let them do their I thing. I think she's good at her job. She's played by, what's her name? S. Apatha Murkison, who used to be the captain on Law & Order. It's, okay. a, it's a Dick Wolf production, Chicago. Those Chicago shows are oh, all Jesus, Dick Wolf. Does he have like three fucking shows? Mm-hmm. Plus, Beyond plus, all the Law & Order plus shows? Plus SVU, yeah, yeah. Because they're bringing back, they're bringing back for, Law & Order. They're bringing back The Law and Order? Yeah, The Law and Order. Is Chris Noth going to be on it? Oh, what's he busy doing? I, well, he's on... 
I think he's on Equalizer now. So uh, sure, why not? Um, <laughs> by right. the way, it was weird so watching. Sorry, the other, move. Uh, yeah, but okay, Law and Order, real quick. Law and Order, uh, Law and Order SVU is going on for Infinity. Yeah. Um, and uh, I used to work with the guy who was the whatever chief uh, recently, and he he left. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and they got Law and Order Organized Crime. So he's got six damn shows on TV. What? That's too many shows. Um, All with make post themes. But uh, but yeah, the Equalizer. Just mm-hmm. saying. Uh, the other day, we just watched the end of The Bone Collector, which I'd never actually seen. Ridiculous. Yeah. But that yeah. was a movie with two equalizers on it. Denzel Washington. Okay. Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah? Oh, is she on TV now as an yeah, equalizer? Yeah, equalizer. Second season. That's right. Okay. She's an equalizer as So well. she's not on the show about an ex-rapper who's trying to get the, the act, act back together. I heard an ad for this on the radio. Is that the one with Brandy that you're thinking about? Maybe that's like what it is. I don't know. Queens? Is this what you're talking yes. about? Yes. And you would think Queen Latifah would be in that's Queens. That's right. Because I thought, oh, I was this a show with Queen Latifah? That's what I thought. No, it's Brandy. And there's a show called Brandy that Brandy isn't in. Okay. And that show yeah. is about uh, rappers who solve crimes. And I heard one thing about her. What's that? She's a fine girl. The same. Yeah. Life, Love, and the Lady <laughs> is uh, Chicago PD, <laughs> which is a Dick Wolf production. That's too much Dick Wolf. Well... If you That's like, a pack of Dick Wolf. But I thought, like, I thought when I when I heard that he was involved with these shows, I thought, well, this will be good because the shows won't be so soap opera like, and they'll be more about proceed like procedural hospital drama, kind of like Law and Order. Like Law and Order was never concerned about like the lives of the characters. Though when it got to SFU, sorry to say, I sometimes watch SFU and I don't feel good about it. Seven Fifty University. Very personal. Every okay. case is. Oh, this is my childhood, and this is—I knew this guy, and this, and I know this person, and yeah, it's just too. Everything's too personal, and also as—and I'm—I'm far from the first person to bring it up. I think it was like John Mulaney has a whole bit about how Ice T is surprised by every crime, and has never seen this before, and has no experience with anything. And I'm not going to do an impression of Ice T because John Mulaney does it best. So there you go. Yeah, but uh, look it up. Uh, him talking about Ice T being surprised by things. <laughs> It is a good bit. Yeah. It is funny. Uh, is Richard Belzer's character on that show from Homicide? Like, is there, like, he yes. is actually, like, transferred from the Homicide yes. division to this division? Yes. That's fun. What's weird about that for me yeah. is Homicide, Life on the Streets. Life on the Streets. Um, was uh, based on uh, true characters. Okay. So the Munch character yeah. is a real person. Yeah, he wrote children's books. <laughs> Oh, you. <laughs> oh, you. Um, so, yeah, he's a real person. And so now this, so it's like, oh, it's a show that's real people and they're doing fictional versions of them. But now this fictional character, where they did cross over with the Law and Order people. Yeah. But that was kind of like, I get a crossover. Sure. But now you've just fully had the character go over to uh, this other thing. Also, he's fully part of the X-Files. Because uh, when they did the um, Lone Gunman origin story... He uh, arrested the the lone gunman, was interrogating them, and uh, and that was uh, that was how they got the story out. Huh? Yeah, he's the, oh, you can get into the Munchiverse. He's in, <laughs> he's been in so many things where he's like crossed over. Uh, Arrested Development, he's in. Yeah. So uh, that universe also crosses over. Wow. And he's gonna he's gonna get a, a show kind of like Fish, where he has a little family it's called Munchkin. Oh. Yeah. That's very really clever. Good. Yeah, also, fun. Sesame Street, he was in. Oh, well, always wearing those sunglasses. What about stand-up comedy? Does he have an, have an effect there, Munch? Um, he was huge in, you know, 70s and, uh, and early 80s. Huge. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what he's up to now, except maybe counting his money. 
unless you know he has some sort of habit that I don't know of. Yeah. Uh, well, he was a '70s comedian, so. Uh. Yeah. Well, maybe, and then again, you go like maybe you get that out of your system. Sure. And maybe that's what yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what happens. No, he seems kind of laid back. Doesn't seem like you're. Uh, what yeah, you look, people what you... are asking like, did he die? And no, he didn't. He's fine. Isn't he on the show anymore? Oh no. Oh, Richard Belzer isn't on SVU anymore? No, no, Richard Belzer left SVU a long time ago. Oh, or SUV, is it? Yeah, Special Victims. Special Victims, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're calling it SFU, though, it's quite amusing. Yeah, he's uh, SFU, the uh, Simon <laughs> Fraser University. He, he'd do it, he'd do the gig. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to find uh, everything that Richard uh, Belzer's character has uh, crossed over uh, into. I see, I see. And uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail at that, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yep. <laughs> it's a disaster, that's why, that's why computers should not be involved with podcasts. So you say, but that sounds like something that a computer would say to try and uh, pretend that it wasn't <laughs> <What>? a computer. <laughs> Are you accusing me of being a computer? Well, it's like, you know, whenever you How have... How could a, you say that? There you go. It's like when you have a politician. Yeah. And they're really against a certain uh, type of person. Okay. And they're like, I hate the blah blah buzz sure. They ruin the bubba buzz yeah. And you're going to find them like, you know, yeah. a month later, bubba bubbing with a bubba boo Yeah. And they're always going to be like that. Sure. So when you, I hear your anti-computer talk... Yeah. I'm you're like, well, clearly. Dave's the Mike Pence of computers. That's what you're thinking. Yeah. I don't blame you. Oh, yeah. Munch did a lot of stuff. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So he appeared in these programs as Munch. Yes. Not, not as Richard Belzer. No. He was, uh, yeah. He was, okay, here's who he's been in. He was in Homicide, uh, Life on the Street, we think of we've course. Just, we've yeah. established that. Then Law and Order, uh, SVU. I to say, one, one episode directed by Whit Stillman. Yeah, he was in Arrested Development, uh, an episode called uh, Exit Strategy. He was in The X-Files, which was the origin of The Lone Gunman, yeah, Usual Suspects. Okay, as Munch. He was in um, The Wire, what? as Munch, Okay. in an episode called Took. Okay. Uh, he was in a, a show called The Beat. I don't know what show that is, okay. but there you go. He was in 30 Rock. As Munch. Okay. Uh, he was in American Dad as Munch. Okay. He was in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Feels like we're getting into parodies of, of his... Of well, it's, on, not, a, it's omni- not a parody. If he was like Mr. Minch, I would say yes, but he is playing no, Munch. But, but this is, feels like it's more like everyone's sort of meta, meta-ing this whole thing now. Okay. He was also uh, mentioned on the TV show... The uh, UK, it's called Munchened. There we go. On the TV uh, UK crime drama Luther... Okay. Uh, so Idris, so, Idris Alba. Uh, Idris uh, Alba, uh, and uh, he was uh, on a Paul Schaefer album. The famous palindrome "Abel was I, ear I saw Idris Alba." Oh my God! What? That's just a weird thing to pull out. <laughs> I'm glad you had it loaded up. <laughs> I did not have it loaded up. I would apply. I wrote it down. Let me see what the I beat it was is. Worth I'm sure it's about uh, cops. Yeah, it's got to be cops. Based on the uh, Elvis Costello song. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, the low point of uh, of um, six episodes. This year's model. What's six episode cop show starring mm-hmm. uh, Mark Ruffalo? Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Hmm. The, so, I, okay, I can already think of a better name for the show. What's that? Where the Ruffalo Room. <laughs> Why did they use that? Oh, because it's the actor's name, not the character's name. That's the problem. I think I think Munch's character, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. And this this kind of bothered me a little bit. Couldn't they have an episode where they come home and he's painting the screen? <laughs> My fingerprint is on the screen. I always <laughs> got to mention that. Um, I touched it once. I shouldn't have. Oh, I, yeah. But I did. But, so my fingerprint is on there. Oh. Um, prove me wrong, art community. <laughs> uh, but, but when they had the final episode of Homicide, sorry for spoilers here, 
The uh, final episode of Homicide, yeah. They did the same thing that they later did with uh, who's Jerry Orbach's character okay. uh, on Law & Order, okay. which is what uh, they went too far and they killed a guy uh, that they knew was guilty. Yeah, but... They got away with it. Mm, crime munch, and mi- munch, the episode of Crimes and Misdemeanors. Yeah, which uh, Jerry Orbach was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, well done. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Munch, uh, confessed that he, that he did this to, you know, I guess his partner or some, another one of the cops. And the cop was basically like, I'm not going to tell anyone. And it's like, okay. And it's like, oh, so they're ending it on that dark note of Munch. Da, da. And the next thing you see, like, he's, uh, in, in law and order. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's a murderer. That guy's a murderer. And I was like, oh boy, uh, they don't know. And it never comes up. And then later on, on law and order, uh, yeah. Uh, what Briscoe, Lenny Briscoe does the yeah. same thing. And uh, and gets away, and then you never see Lenny Briscoe again. Yeah. And then later on, uh, at the Jerry Arbach Theater in New York, uh, there's a play that I had some writing in shows up there, and it's a show. Uh, it's a one woman show about Sex in the City. How's this all add up? I don't know. <laughs> but connections, man. Connections. Yeah. Connections. Robert Mun- like Munch, uh, yeah. you know, uh, is a, uh, the origin of the uh, Lone Gunman. Sure. And I write a play with one of the Lone Gunmen once. Yep. What the hell's that about? Do the research. Connections, folks. man. Do the research. Go to the website, IHateBuildTheBears.com. You'll find out all about it. What are it. they stuffed with? Lies. <laughs> That's what they're stuffed with. That was popular when the girls were little, but I never engaged in it because I did not understand what it was. Plus, there was none nearby. You go there, and you get to build your own teddy bear. I guess that's what it is. You can choose the clothes and things like that. You can choose the accessories. Is it like those pottery places where you can make a plate and then, like, take the plate out and then (laughs) give the plate to somebody? And you painted the plate. Only the plate is a bear. Only the paint is a the plate is a bear. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, that used to be the name of this place was called the plate is a bear. And they, it's like, what's this mean? (laughs) Well, it's like like the plate one of those places. Yeah, but the plate is a bear. Yeah. Yeah, the difference between the Build-A-Bear and what you're talking about is there's no place to put a dishcloth in the bear. What I would say to, if I saw like... That's a reference to a ceramic frog that's very common. Oh, very good. You know, because, guys, I go for the deep cuts here. That wasn't... I don't even know if that was a cut. No, it was... (laughs) I think that was a glancing blow that just like didn't even break the skin. Didn't you do ceramics? Didn't you have like a ceramics thing that ever did that? But let's go with even if I had ceramics. (laughs) Okay. So let's say no, I no, took like ceramics. To like a, no, no, not at school. I mean, if you like went for, you went to like a ceramics place and they're like, okay, yeah. you got to choose something. Yeah. You're going to turn into ceramics. Yeah. There's only one thing you can choose as right. a kid. Yeah. It's the frog, the open mouth frog, which is uh-huh. designed so you can put, you can put your cloth in there when you're, when you're not using it in the sink. Okay. I'm going to. Famous. I, I don't want to correct. I think all our listeners will agree. I don't want to correct you, but God Please. damn it. I'm going to now. <laughs> Please feel free. A cloth would be a terrible thing to put in there. Why? Well, first of all, yeah. Sorry to have uh, candy in my mouth, but I thought you were going on longer. <laughs> That's clearly, yeah. my friend, for a sponge. Sponge in the frog's mouth. Sure, or a sponge. Yeah, whatever you. No, want it's not or a sponge. Whatever. It's only a sponge because a sponge would dry out. Yeah. Whereas a cloth would just get filthy and like, <laughs> it'd be like, yeah. the frog is vomiting like, a like, filthy, like uh, a filthy. frog's mouth. Exactly. Whereas a sponge, it would right like get dry and be nice and clean. Sure, okay. Here's like what I'd do at Build-A-Bear. I would uh, I would uh, go up to like people at their table as they're making yeah. a bear. Yeah. And I'd just like feel them and just like, too hard. Next one, too soft. And like, just right. And like, and then walk out. And like, who was that guy? <laughs> that was the just right guy. <laughs> it's his character he plays mm-hmm. in real life. Can't sue him. He's is he friends character. with the guy who's the creep? Yeah, he is. 
<laughs> Why are they both skipping out of the mall? <laughs> Get back here, you. So I had a real movie week this past week. Okay. I, I saw a lot of movies. All right. So let's uh, let's uh, do uh, Dave's sneak previews. So I saw Malignant. Okay. The horror movie Malignant. That's a, that's a movie about a title that's about to stab a lady in the eye from the poster, if I'm getting that right. I think the M has a little dagger in it that's about to stab yeah, a lady in the eye. Yeah, I don't think there is the injury. Oh, eh, maybe. Maybe there is a motif in the film. What is, uh, what is Malignant about? Malignant is directed by Conjuring slash Insidious director James Wan, who I think maybe was did Saw as well. Did he direct Saw? I don't know. Anywho. Excellent question. What excellent I can, a- question. I can answer while Let's you... Let's just say he did or didn't. But anyhow, uh, he did a movie called Malignant. Mm-hmm. And Malignant is meant as a bit of a is meant as a bit of a of a of a James Wan, yeah, directed as well. Okay, it's meant as a bit of fun. It's a fun horror film. That's the idea of it, anyway. Okay. The problem with it is that when you go to do a film that mixes a little bit of Stuart Gordon with a little bit of Sam Raimi with a little mm-hmm. bit of Brian De Palma, ooh, ooh, I like it. You got to have the chops. You got to have the style. Okay. Because those Stuart Gordon, not so much. Stuart Gordon, you can like. How the actors kind of, you know, speak in a stilted way with very kind of plain direction, and you'll get you'll get your Stuart Gordon, although you know, reanimator. Anyway, um, but the, if you're going to do Brian De Palma, or you're going to do Sam Raimi, you need to have some style. You need to have some camera movement. You need to have some fun lens use. You need to have some fun tracking shots. You need to have some, you know what I mean? Like you need something that pops. Sure. And it doesn't. It doesn't pop. There's no moment moment in the film where you're like, oh, what a tour de force. You know, is the idea interesting enough to me? The make idea a movie? is interesting, and it's okay. very—it's—it's it's really a little bit to sisters. Okay. The uh, Brian De Palma film Sisters. I won't say much more about it. I don't want to spoil it for sure. people. But it's a lot. Of, it is like the story is fun, and I wish it had been done a little lighter of touch, rather kind of heavy-handed by a director who's very good at creating atmosphere in his films. Like I think The Conjuring has great atmosphere, and Insidious is the same. It has a good kind of creepy feeling to it. Right. But I feel like this movie needed to have a lighter, frothier element to it, and they didn't get that to the film. But we liked it anyway. Like I, you okay. know, I still say it was a decent film, and, and it was worth a watch. There's some fun action sequences. The central conceit of the story is fun, and it is a pretty goofy movie. And it starts off with like the sequence. You're just like, oh, is this? Am I watching like a parody? Because I got really excited, but it kind of like toned it down after that, and it's mm. just kind of too bad. Um, Do you know the next movie he's directing? James Wan. Yeah. Aquaman 2? That's right. Mm. Yeah. I thought the first one was okay, but nothing to write home about. Had some good, once again, had some good action sequences. He's a good director. Did he direct the first one? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to, I remember like, it was supposed to be, the next film was supposed to be like Aquaman, uh, The Deep, and it was all those creatures that you saw for like a second. Like, how about a movie about them? What? Why? Like, I don't know. James Wan (laughs) wants to direct it. Oh, well, that's fine. I guess he's got an idea for some creatures in the deep. Yeah, yeah. Why not make a horror movie in the DC universe? Go for it. Let's let's see. Yeah, I mean, why not? Right? Like, if you go to town, if that's your thing. And what's fun about that is, like, unlike say the ghosts in The Conjuring, uh, they're actually scary creatures. You know, because they can do stuff, whereas the ghosts can only look at you. And were there legit scares in this one? Not really. There's okay. a couple little moments where you went. <gasps> My niece really want is 16, and she wants to watch scary movies with us. So we've got to load up some and figure it out. Ah, yeah, the ring. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's seen that. My, oh, okay. my big problem right now is uh, my favorite director has made a horror movie. 
Who's your favorite? Oh, Edgar Wright. The Edgar new film, Wright. The, A Night in Soho, is a yeah. horror film? Yeah, it's like a straight... I have not picked that up from the... Psychological film. horror movie. Yeah. Oh, psychological horror movie. Yeah. I.e. not scary. Um, oh, I don't know. But it looks fun. I mean, I'm, I'm keen to see it. You first taste horror in your brain, they say. Really? Yeah, that's why psychological horror. I didn't know it had a flavor. Yep. Second film I saw. Yes, sir. The Malignant I saw it in Chilliwack. So I went and saw it with the so girls. So double scary. I went and saw it with the girls. <laughs> it was really nice to see the girls and uh, go see a oh, movie. That is nice. Hugs all around. See a little film off Lickman Drive. Yeah. It is off Lickman Drive. You're right. Or as they say, Lickman Drive. Because, hmm. you know. Maybe they say that. It's Maybe a word. It's... it's a word people have said for many, many years. Many years. They just say it. They, they just say it. No they're, one thinks it. No country, one thinks it's country weird. Well, no one thinks it's time to change the name of Lickman this was Drive. A, these name, these places were named in a time where people did not go teehee. Yeah. People didn't lick uh, men back then. Yeah. Yeah. Then the 60s came along. Hey. Thanks a lot. I live in a town where the school was called Aldergrove Senior Secondary. It was ASS. It's mm. ASS all over the place at that school. They named for Chilliwack many years. before there was a band called Chilliwack that had two songs with Gone in the title. They didn't know, but maybe it's time to change it. Change Chilliwack's name? Yeah, because of the two uh, Chilliwack songs that have Gone in the title. And you're like, mm, it's too many. <laughs> Wait, Gone, 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 She's Been Gone So Long. Yeah. That song's just called My Girl, by the way, right? It's not okay, called Gone, 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 She's Been Gone. Uh, and, uh, oh, the other one, there's another one that was gone. You, you gone, you got some, you get gone, gone. Yeah, there's some I gone. don't know their later material so well. Well, they got more three of a hit early songs. To mid, I'm early to mid. Yeah. And I sort of know Bill Henderson's daughter a little Fly bit. Fly at night. Oh, you're going early. You're going early Chilliwack, eh? <laughs> okay. That's, that's my, that's my, that's my jam. That's my era. All right. That's, that's what you got. Okay, what we got? My girl, gone, gone, gone. Yeah. Uh, what's gonna... is it called? Gone, gone, gone. Uh, in the title? my girl uh, brackets. Oh, gone, 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 gone. Okay. Uh, now, what you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, that has gone afterwards, but it's just called what you gonna do. But that's what you gonna do when I'm gone. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when I'm gone, 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 like gone. You said songs called gone. And I think I think Chilliwack's fine. They're safe. Then there's I believe, uh, Fly at Night, Crazy Talk, and Lonesome Mary. Yeah, Lonesome Mary and Fly at Night. Those are the uh, those are the hits there. All the hits all the time, and uh, it's time to change the name of the town now. <laughs> Maybe to uh, Trooper. You know that Chilliwack named themselves after the town. Hmm. Not the other way around. Are you saying Trooper named themselves after the Troopers? What who'd, Troopers? Who'd the Headpins name themselves after? Bowling, uh, none of this is what you're saying is making sense. Alleys? How about the Payolas? Did you know that Bill Henderson was in the Headpins? No, I didn't know that. Was in Headpins? No, I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> did you know his daughter, Saffron Henderson, was in a band called The Little Ladies with... The daughter of Doug Bennett from Doug and the Slugs? I did not know that. Well, it sounds like I've won the prize then. <laughs> it's, it's a celebratory song. <laughs> Yay! It's my mom calling. I can't talk to her, though. I'll just ignore it. I don't know how to uh, swipe up to answer. Swipe down to decline. There we go. Yeah, swipe down to tell your mom you're doing a podcast. Yeah. And then she'll text back. First I've heard of it. <laughs> okay, so second movie you saw. Second movie I saw was the uh, French Dispatch of keep some, going of oh. something kansas oh you can do it come on oh. gone 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 threw you off <laughs> no it did not kansas of the of the uh, evening dispatch or evening sorry evening post but i can't remember the name of that oh man i should have put my phone on uh, do not disturb no sorry. i just like how the phone makes you uh, seem really guilty <laughs> the full name is the french dispatch of the liberty kansas liberty kansas song. ah singing luxury kansas but i knew that was wrong Knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong the whole time. Anywho, went and saw that on Sunday. So I saw it on, on Friday. Saturday. Oh, aren't you special? I saw it at the same theater. I think you saw that. Yeah, I. I uh, that was good. That was a really good movie. Yeah, 
it was like, um, well, I like the review in the paper where the, the reviewer said, if you've never seen a, if you've never seen a uh, Whit Silverman film before, you're in luck. This is all of them. So I like that. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Because it's true. I mean, it pretty much has all his. In fact, Mary and I on the way in, we we did, we composed a Whit Still or not Whit Silverman, sorry, a Wes Anderson uh, bingo card, and so we guessed on all the things that would appear in the film. Now during the movie, did we got, you actually make this bingo card? Yep. Is there any way of putting that on our site? Probably. Mary had Mary made it. She actually like made an uh, actual bingo card. I would on love to see that if that is possible. Sure, that would be great. I will. Uh, I'll get her to. You want to see it tonight? Uh, I, I'm fine with seeing it tonight. I would also just be fine seeing it on our uh, page on Saturday when this comes up. Sure. I'll uh, text her and get her, to, get her to send it to us. So, yeah. Uh, so, you, did you enjoy the film? Yeah. And my wife has been to Angloem for the uh, comics festival. It's uh, like one of the yeah, best yeah, comics yeah. festivals in the world. Of course. Uh, and so, uh, when she realized that, she was extra delighted. <laughs> and then we were like a little sad in that like, you know, oh, we want to go to France. Yeah. Oh, we can't go to France. It's a pandemic right now. It stinks. Um, but, uh, no, I, uh, I really, really love the, the, the movie. I don't want to like, it was weird. Uh, the AV club had a thing where they ranked, you know, the, uh, best, best Wes Anderson movies. And to me, it was just like, eh, I don't want to rank them. <laughs> I just, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not. I mean, well, I have my favorite. I have my favorites. But, it just feels you know. a weird thing to have a contest. Like to me, like, you know, I love, uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, but I'm like, this is such a different movie, even though stylistically, I can see a lot of the same gimmicks, uh, and it's got uh, similar cast members, but yet it's still so radically different in structure. Yeah, you know, you, you know, yeah. you can see, of course, yeah, it's definitely the same director. There's no two ways about it. No one directs a movie like like he does. Yeah, but uh, holy for holy, he just like just did all the things. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just like uh, shooting a play in the middle of the movie, and it looks like a great play. And then he uses those elements of uh, you know uh, scene work, as in like stru- like physical scene work later on, where there's the action scenes that you have frozen, and it's like all just things hanging from wires and yeah, people yeah. people just did frozen in, in a still pose, and yeah, it's just yeah. like oh, this is so good. And then he moves <laughs> to another one, like how big is this room? This is amazing. What are you doing? How are you doing this? Or, yeah, yeah. There's a scene where like all these um, inmates just break through a wall yeah. and they physically break through this wall and like that's incredible how are you doing this <laughs> and then you know uh, a wheelchair chase that would put Sam Raimi to shame from the wheelchair's point of view and it's just just beautiful and a nice uh, you know going back and forth between black and white to color yeah. as well which yeah. really and feels and also, also screen aspect like yeah. uh, aspect ratio were changed as well, which makes it feel like a magazine as well. And mm-hmm. then you know, magazines like the New Yorker do from color to yeah. black and white. And oh god damn, I really enjoyed it. I want to see it again. <laughs> I've bought the uh, book that was kind of a lot of the inspirational New Yorker stories that you know, okay, uh, okay, sort of set them on this path. Mm. And uh, there's a couple other books uh, about the the French Dispatch that I've also purchased that are coming out later on. That I just want to, oh, I'm just... Num, like num, art num, books, num. Are the designs of uh, Yeah, uh, interview books with uh, Wes Anderson, some behind-the-scenes stuff okay. about how things went. But I am looking forward to reading the... Uh, it's not just New Yorker stories, mostly New Yorker stories. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's stories that, yeah, did inspire the stories in, in this. Fun. Yeah, and also it's got an interview with Wes Anderson as well in the beginning of it. That again, mm-hmm. I'm num 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 num. <laughs> that's that's the stuff that I love. Yeah, but uh, I love I love plays too. So it's just having just the stagecraft aspects of things here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just great. And yet it's still got 
heart to it, even though it's so surreal <laughs> and over the top and melodramatic. Yeah. And it yeah. shouldn't. It should just be surface. It yeah. should just be surface. And you go, well, that's clever, but you're still like, huh. There's something in his films like that you don't see very much, I think, which is joy. There's a really joyful aspect to his movies where it, and it's, you know, there's, whether it's in the telling of the story or in the performances, there's this real sense of like joie de vivre. Those people are, you know, just this really, you don't find that in much in movies, I think, nowadays. There's, you know, there's a lack of color. There's a lack of, of, a lack of, um, present, you know, not presentation, but a lack of like, just that sense of like life's pleasures and things, you know, like all movies nowadays, everything has to be gray. You have, to, everything has to be, you know, this battleship gray. You have to, Everything looks like it's like the, the loneliest day in, in November. You know, you can never have like a bright, sunny film look. Everything has to be like even this James Wan film we're talking about, Malignant. You know, you're going to do like a film that's inspired by Giallo's, inspired by Brian De Palma, inspired by Sam Raimi and stuff like that. And then you just make it into a gray soup. Like that's not even like anywhere close to what those films have. The magic of watching a movie like Suspiria or, you know, any of those Giallo's is the crazy colors and the, the, bold choices and the the framing and all those things that are just you know like in your face fun that movie lacks you know it's all the same color through the whole film it's always a gray day drizzly this film it's supposed to take place in seattle and everyone knows the bluest skies you've ever seen are in <laughs> seattle and yet that film never has a blue sky you know there's no attempt to and it's fun you know like you have to need some contrast <laughs> right like if everything looks gray then there's nothing scary about being in a built a building that's gray and gloomy by the way, this is a problem with the majority of Canadian movies is, uh, one, where uh, Canadian television shows are consistently badly lit, so we're quite dark. And uh, a lot of times, Canadian movies, it's also very gray outside. You know, we don't, we don't pop the color uh, a lot. And uh, sometimes people do pop the color, and then those shows are successful, and those movies do okay. Uh, but we don't, learn, uh, we don't learn that lesson. Do you want to? Oops, oops, oh, you all right? Drop my phone. Um, do you want to hear our bingo card? Sure, please. All right. So, um, someone performs a song. Did someone perform a song? Yep. Okay. Yep. Twice. Two different times in the film. There's a song. Performed. Okay. Oh wait, they, there's a song, or is there a person performing a song? Yep. Person sings a song in the film. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm blanking on that, but I will uh, try and remember it. Go ahead. Sure. I could. Tell you, Can you tell I don't want to. What is it in the first segment, second segment, or third? The one segment? I'm thinking of right now is in the third segment. A uh, character played by Sir Sharon. Yes, indeed. Okay. okay. There's also, <laughs> to be fair, I think uh, I, I think another character whose name is the chauffeur also uh, mm-hmm. sings a song. Mm-hmm. Okay. All That's right. right. Go ahead. Um, we also were guessing. So we're guessing things that would be in the film. Yes. So some of them are the actors we would see in the film, sure. and some of them were things that would happen in the film. So um, Bill Murray, pretty pretty uh, good. Yeah. Easy guess. Uh, someone dies. Okay. Childhood trauma. Okay. Anachronistic technology. Fair. Okay. Jason Schwartzman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hard to see, but yes. Yes, he is. That's exactly right. I didn't recognize him until the very end. Yeah. Uh, must mustache. Like just a mustache. Just people having mustaches. Which, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. He loves characters with mustaches. Okay. Uh, single location, which wasn't the case in this one, but uh, that's fine. Often we'll have things like the Royal Tenenbaums, where the house is the the key, or the Grand Budapest Hotel, where the the hotel is the key point in the film. This movie, because it's a, an um, oh, but doesn't it? I mean, because it sort of does. We do kind of have a point of of a cutaway or a big kind of crane shot 
uh, you know, climbing shot of the building. Yeah. That's the center of it. And then sort of takes place in there yeah, and, yeah. and goes from oh, there. Mary, you got that one. Uh, Angelica Houston. Was she in it? She's a narrator. Oh, well, there we go then. All right. St- uh, animation. Yes. And a different type of animation mm-hmm. than we've seen before, which yeah. was a delight. And that was still too. has, uh, definitely is style. Here's one that didn't happen that I was happy, which is, uh, an animal, a dead animal. Yeah, I was wondering if like an animal. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, do you count a chicken? Not really. Then I don't. Okay, fair enough. Because I, I'm thinking more like pets and stuff like that. Like yes. a beloved animal. Something is a common, thrown out a window. It's a common thing. Yeah, or out a window or gets hit by a car or gets killed by an arrow. No, a chicken that was already dead gets plucked. Uh, retro fashions, once again, yeah, yes, well, all over the place. Yeah, I mean, what are you the think? color orange, very significant in this film as, okay. as usual. Uh, Tilda Swinton is very orange. I was... Wrong on this one. I was guessing the music would be by Bob. Can't remember his name. The guy from Devo, anyway. Who's, mm. But he wasn't him. It was Alexandra Dipla who did the music, which I should okay. have guessed because he's been doing the music for Anderson since Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, a cutaway of a cutaway of the set for the for yes. in the film, which there's quite a bit of that. Yeah, airplane for sure. Uh, child actors. Once again, yes. Child actors. Yeah, we thought. And what segment was that? Well, First, second, again, or third? Third one again. We have the. Uh, yes. Okay. Very good. <laughs> uh, Mary guesses daddy issues would be in it, but I don't think we really saw much in the way of that. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Adrian Brody would be in the film, I yeah, guessed, and he uh, was in there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I guess there'd be a slow motion segment, and there was not. There was no slow motion segment in this film. No. Okay. Uh, narrator. Yes, there was. That was, as yeah. I said, Angelica Houston. Um, we. We uh, guessed a Wilson bro would show up in it, and Owen Wilson was in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, flashback. Yes, very much so. Sure. A dog. I'm trying to remember the dog. I can't remember. I think there was a dog in it, though. There would not be room for a dog in the first segment. Second segment. Can't think of Maybe a place for a dog. dog. Maybe there wasn't a dog in it. Third the... segment. I don't think were so. Were the police using a dog of any kind? I don't think so. I Wait, think... maybe the police were in a search. It's possible. I don't think so. I think maybe we were out of that one. Okay. Um, Mary, I guess romance. I don't know why. I mean, that's pretty common to all films. I don't think it's yeah. just to Wes Anderson. And then uh, we guessed that Tilda Swinton would be in the film, and she she also appears in it. Right. So yeah, so we did pretty well on our on our uh, Wes Anderson bingo. I just love. I also love you know just giving Francis McDormand such a great cho- like just oh, oh, yeah just, such a good role meaty ch- choice uh, role um, 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 so many good actors in that film like just the smallest parts imaginable that just this really notable name disappears Pia, Pia and Vicky saw um, Dune as well I don't want to rush whatever your next movie is mm-hmm. you know to spoil it but they were like Timothy Chalamet weekend <laughs> sure and I'll just say one line that was in this which was like him talking about being embarrassed of his muscles and I was just like, oh, it'd just be so sweet if he's in Dune and at some point has to take his shirt off and just goes, I'm embarrassed of my muscles. In there Dune. is a muscle reference in Dune. Oh, very nice. Because uh, that was the next film I saw. Was Okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, by the way, just so with French Dispatch. Oh, boy. Like, it just, <laughs> here's, here's something about French Dispatch. Sure. And it, it's something I, again, why I like Edgar Wright. It's, it, it's one of the reasons, you know, uh, that I like Sam Raimi. It's like, uh, I feel like every time I'm watching one of their movies, uh, every scene matters. 
there's there's certain times where like yeah. you're watching a movie and like an action scene or something happens, some dramatic scene happens, yeah. and you go, now's the time to use the bathroom because <laughs> nothing's going to occur in the next ten minutes. And yeah, of course, yeah. they come back and they go, the judge is in on it. I'm like, oh, I missed that. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I just assumed that like there's some scenes that are just yeah. blah, blah blue blah blue. Sure, but like every scene in in this matters mm-hmm. and every scene is gorgeous every scene and every yeah. scene has stuff in the background that's right and it's like what you could say is not that every scene matters but every scene is thought through like every yeah. shot and every element of the movie is carefully planned out what i say about the movie and i think i said it at the end of this movie and uh to uh to to pia and vicky i didn't hear this so. I'll, I'll tell you what i said okay i said this movie is full of gives a fuck <laughs> And I love a movie that's full of gives a fuck. Like you can just tell, it really gives a fuck. Like he really cares about it. Yeah, makes yeah. me want to. Makes me care about this movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and sometimes you're watching something and you're like, hmm. even if you don't necessarily like it, or like I'm not a horror movie fan, but I can see when I'm watching like a movie that's scary and I'm like, I'm like, oh, this isn't for me. But I'm like, oh, this really, they really care. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. and that draws me in. I love that. Yeah. Like, you know, the filmmaker or television uh, creator or yeah. comic book artist or whoever. Yeah. I just love. A yeah, whole bunch of gives a fuck. A movie that has no fat on it. That's just like a lean, lean, mean fighting machine. I want to, whenever I, when, you know, and I'm not putting myself in a category of anything, anything. But like whenever I'm making something, whether it's a play or, or a comic or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I hope that that comes across that like from the from the beginning, I just want to let you know. Yeah. I give a damn. Yeah. I'm not just, you know, we're not on coast here. <laughs> like really trying yeah. with everything and hopefully not to the point of being sweaty about it, <laughs> but just like <laughs> gives a fuck. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of gives a fuck. Yeah, not desperate. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dune, did you give a fuck? Do you like it? Oh, man. Pia liked it very much. I thought it was yeah, really I good. I mean, I, I like Denis Villeneuve, the director of that film a lot. I think he... Like talk about give a fuck. Like his his movies are so well thought out and so carefully planned and and I mean obviously he's very lucky to have like a lot of money behind him for for the last couple of films he's made where everything looks amazing, Ama- everything looks amazing. Yeah. But what I like about Villeneuve is that he he uh, he does a very careful mix of practical and CGI and doesn't allow one to overwhelm the other. It's all ca- very carefully organically. You know, done so that you don't feel like, oh boy, here's the big CGI sequence, yawn a ruse, you know. <laughs> but you just, you always have a sense of human beings in, in the, the things that are happening, whether they're flying spaceships during a battle or whatever. There's, you know, there's humans there. It's not, doesn't just feel like things flying around and making a lot of noise and look how fast they are. It's unrealistically yeah. fast. That is a problem I have with a lot of movies is like CGI thing is doing a thing with other CGI things. Yeah. And who cares? Then yeah. you're done. You're, you're Odie. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching occasionally. I'll watch this Foundation uh, show. Okay, and go. Uh, yeah, this uh, looks expensive. You know, and everyone's walking around in their pretty outfits. I'm like, yeah, that looks very expensive. And mm-hmm. that, I bet this is uh, very book accurate. <laughs> but I don't know why it's a TV show. Yeah, I think. Well, obviously, other people are feeling that way too because no one's uh, been that interested. I mean, it's. I don't. I tried to read Foundation recently, and I have to admit that I I gave up partway. Mm-hmm. through the beginning I, i'll pick it up again because I, I never not read a book but i other books grab my attention and i read those instead sometimes yeah sometimes it's like and i'm i don't get i honestly don't get bored easily by things but i do but i what loses me is where i go like is there a point to this mm-hmm. like you know even if it's a point that like might be missed and it's overkill or something like that 
So why why are you doing foundation now? Mm. Why are we doing this? What's <laughs> yeah? What's, what's going on? Yeah. Is there something in the book you want to convey that yeah. maybe the book didn't convey, mm-hmm. or you think can mm-hmm. be conveyed better through television? What is it? And uh, I'm not getting it. I'm just getting this happens in the book. And <laughs> here's the thing with uh, Dune I, on Sunday. I I was really keen to see it. I wanted to see it on the weekend, but all the all the showings were sold out. Yeah, it's nice to know that people are. Getting... Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to see it in IMAX because that's the format it was filmed in. And so I wanted to. That's see it. the max amount of eye you can get. That is so much eye. Max either. that your eye and, can take. And believe me, <laughs> they'll tell you in the, in the theater. They'll tell you how great it is. But uh, so I bought tickets on Sunday, and I was like, okay, we're gonna go on Wednesday. We're gonna go see this movie, and then uh, I had to take my car into the into the. Um, Get, get it fixed it was it was making a kind of weird noise and it was really underpowered okay and i was kind of worried i was worried it was like the vacuum or whatever was not like the like i was really i was kind of worried about the well, i was more i was worried about the exhaust i guess so. Mm-hmm. so then um i took it into the place on tuesday it was one of those things where i had to drive there and then lisa met me there and then she drove me home from the place where i took it uh oh and the other thing was that the my old place I used to get my Volvo fixed at, which was like a Volvo only, but not like a dealership, just a you know right. a small company that would that dealt s- solely with Volvos. They closed down. They they sold their buildings, and I guess oh. the owner retired, and okay. and they and they they were folding their tent. So I phoned them last week, and I was like, just want to make an appointment for my car, and they're like, oh, sorry to tell you, but we're selling the buildings, and we're closing Ooh. down. So, but they recommended this other uh, dealership or other not dealership other. Um, place a uh, similar thing just a volvo only car repair place in maple ridge so we drove there dropped it off so then on wednesday they called me back and they you know recommended a course of action uh much cheaper than what it was you know could have been because my car is old it's a 2004 volvo same with us we got a very old car yeah uh, my car has four hundred thousand kilometers on it so it's been it's been used it's been gone it's been going a while yeah and they're kind of like, you probably don't want to spend $1,500 on your car. So we're going to recommend this $300 fix that's going to help you. So so I'm like, that sounds great. I like the idea of a $300 fix rather than a $1,500 fix. It's also smart because, you know, you'll come back to them later. Exactly. You're oh, like, yeah. oh, these guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. And that's a good long plan instead of like getting all the money from you at, fr- at front. And you're like, ugh, don't want to go back to these. Well, I would always, I mean... Depends on obviously you have to rely on the honesty of the people you deal with, but I would always I would always recommend dealing with a with a private place that fixes a specific model of car mm-hmm. because they have the in to like use parts and stuff like that to help you. Okay, you know, so they can get you. You know, they're not always going to throw used parts in there because sometimes you need to do new. But when you can just get by with like a used part rather than you know, say an alternator. Your alternator goes. They can get you one an alternator that works. And and they uh, my mic is tipping over suddenly. I must yeah. have knocked it down a little bit. So um, they can recommend to you a, a sorry everyone. I'm just gonna sure yeah, yeah. do some adjusting. They they'll recommend to you like you know cheaper alternatives. You know which if you went to a dealership you'll never get that. You'll only get like yeah. got to replace the whole thing, throw it in. And by the way, it's two hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, for do you want repairs. the gold undercoating? <laughs> That's right. We really recommend it. So. Well, maybe you're not a classy guy. I thought, you know, when I came in, I went, this guy's classy. But maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. So speaking of wrong, my, I was very optimistic that my car would be fixed on Wednesday. But it wasn't. Oh. Because they had to like, they had they had to take it. They don't do uh, exhaust stuff at this shop. They have a place that they use. So they, they recommended that I take it there. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so 
that was going to happen on uh, today. Okay. So that was fine. So, but then I'm like, oh my God. So I have tickets for a movie tonight. <laughs> Lisa, then it turns out Lisa had lessons, had writing lessons till eight o'clock. So well past the 630 start of the movie. Ooh. So I'm like, well, I spent IMAX money on tickets to a movie that I can't drive to because I don't have a car. Yeah. My wife can't go see it. I don't want to do. So then I, when one of my friends was leaving work, I, I stopped him and I said, hey, do you want to see a movie tonight? Because <laughs> I have tickets. You can go see Dune for free. And he's like, I'm in. So I went with him to back to his place. He changed. And then we went to the movie theater. And uh, yeah, he was, he loved it. It was the first movie he's seen since the pandemic started. Oh, that's cool. So, you know. That's a nice, that's yeah. a nice film to see. He said, me. well, this is better than going and seeing Venom 2 for my first time. <laughs> and you said, shut up. And he was also I really excited. He's a huge Batman fan. So they had the Batman trailer. So he was more than Oh, nice, nice. That, okay. So. Yeah, so that's this a, is the Batman guy. Okay, I know who yeah, you're talking yeah, about yeah, now. Yeah, All right, sure, sure. So, um, yeah, he he just loved it. He loved the film. So, and, I, and you know, and I've never read the books. And I've never growing up, I wasn't like a sci-fi person, so I didn't really care about that stuff. I was kind of like one of those guys. I, I read like J.R.R. Tolkien, like I read Lord of the Rings. That was it. I didn't want to read any other any other sure. fantasy because I feel like, well, I read the, the text. I read the ur text of this whole thing. Like, why would <laughs> okay. I? What do I want to read? You know, some other person who's doing like a sub Tolkien riff, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. So is the Dune world, uh, uh, it's, it's the combination of sci-fi and magic? No. Like, it's, uh, oh, I guess it does have some magic in it. Well, it's got witches, right? They're, Are they... <laughs> they're, they're a religious order that has, okay. that have like, telepathic abilities though. i saw i saw like a thing today yeah. that was a, a thing on i think it was a screen crush yeah and it was uh dune explained to uh, doug and doug is a dog okay and so he was asking these questions and the way they describe the um the those characters is uh jedi they're what the jedi are based on so you know george okay, lucas no. saw dune and uh yeah they're a religious order with some telepathic abilities yeah yeah they don't have lightsabers and stuff like that they're not like a fighting order they're they're more of a behind the but scenes. they can do a jedi mind trick yes yeah. yes they have a thing called the voice which can influence people's actions yes that is true so um i mean star trek as uh, a star trek star wars uh mentions a spice planet in the the first the mm. first film okay so okay. there seems to be a little uh, yeah we know yeah, yeah we know what we're doing here okay sure, sure. it's a sandy world the spice planet maybe we're doing a little mind trick uh hey uh watch dune someday kids this movie will help uh you get there uh, here we go the, the yeah it, it's very different in tone and stuff than star wars but yeah it's uh but what's nice is like denny villeneuve obviously loves loves loved the book as a growing up and i always wanted to make a movie of it so this is like a cool. thrill of a lifetime for him and what's great is he incorporates so much of dune not just the dune itself as a book which you know but also dune as like the like the history of dune you know so there's elements of it that kind of kind of reference like mobius designs okay that you might see for like jodorowsky's dune it has the things that are kind of callbacks to the game dune the video game Dune. I, I've never played. Yeah, that it was game. a video game, and it's my friend who played it. Huh. His dad was a big fan of it, and so he played it when he was growing up. Huh. And he was like, "Oh, there's some things that kind of reference that in the movie as well." So oh, that's, interesting. Yeah, so it feels like he's just kind of all the kind of elements that have made up the Dune lore over the over the years. He kind of incorporates into the film, which I thought was kind of cool, and uh, I appreciated that. Oh, okay, yeah, from 1992, the Dune uh, video game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of. When he kept talking to me first time, I went, do you mean Doom? And he's like, no, no, it's Dune. I was like, okay. Huh. Okay. No, that's... Uh, now Now I'm very curious about that. Now I'm wondering if I played this. <laughs> 
Okay, this is looking Basically, familiar. Basically, you you can play like you can play like as the bad guys. Yeah. And did you not go see Dune? What the the the, movie? the new one? Yeah. No, I have not seen that yet. So you didn't go with, uh, with no the computer. No, I was movie I was movied out at that point. Oh, I was okay. Like, okay, I've no such thing for me. Very good. No such thing for me. Very good. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, but, I, and I loved it. I just thought it was great. And, and I think I said to them, like, yeah. I played the video game. I get it. <laughs> and like, where do you... You some spices. It's like some spices. Yeah, yeah. it was... Re- I think I may have played it. Because it's, it's saying here it was, like, on on, on I, you know, PCs. Yeah. And uh, But it was also on the Sega CD system. I think I might have played it on that. So, oh, I'm very curious now. Oh, okay, I got I to gotta look at a video of that and see. Please but, continue. But I got to say, I was a little happy that Lisa couldn't go. Yeah, because I can go again. Ah, so that'll be. Yeah, nice I'll go piece. again with uh, with uh, with PN. You I won't think go IMAX. again. You'll go once. Yeah, because you haven't seen it yet, so you can't go again. Yeah, well, PN can go again. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be. Uh, yeah, I. Th- you know what? I, I think it was just like at that point, I was just really emotionally drained that day, and I was like, "This is a lot." It like, is. A, I, it is. A I, lot, I, this gonna right. be. There's gonna be a lot to put in my head, and like mm-hmm. right now, I'm like, mm, "Okay." I but though I really did love seeing the day before seeing the French Dispatch. Is it? That was great. And I was like, I also want, I kind of want to just sit with, uh, with this. Yeah. No, I understand that. I mean, I saw Dune like five, four or five, four days later, I guess, Mm -hmm. or three days later. So, you know, it kind of sat. But saying that, the other thing I watched this week was Midnight Mass, the new Mike Flanagan Netflix series. I saw the first episode. I have not seen past that. Oh, I so loved it. Oh, good, good. I so loved it. And it it reached a point in the show. I don't want to go too much into it because I'd like people to see it. What's fun about it though is it, it deals seriously like with religious practice, like religious, like, like going to Catholic church or going to Anglican church, which follows many of the same sort of communion sure. elements, right? Um, it's there. Like if you wonder like, what is a Catholic, what is a Catholic church service like? Or what is a mainstream church service like? There you go. That's it right there. You know, the wine, the bread, the all, you know, the, the dressing up in different chasubles, all that kind of stuff is all there for you to see. And, but combining it with like horror elements that that comment on religious belief and stuff like that is really interesting and fun. And the setting's great. But there's a part in the show where there's a character and something happens to that character. And I was like, oh man, if this if this show goes this way, then I am done with the show. F this show. <laughs> and instead, it did something so beautiful with this with the thing that happened. This is episode five. There's something so beautiful with it that I was like, oh man, nothing, this show can do nothing wrong now. Okay. Because this is so perfect, what they've done here. It was so wonderful. I mean, horrifying and wonderful. And, uh, and it even like, it even makes a landing. I think there, I have, you know, I have issues. Like, you cannot, you know, and if, you know, like when someone like has a, a show that's <clears throat> about belief and philosophy and life and death and everything. You're gonna have little disagreements with those choices and stuff like that, but overall, like the ending is so fantastic and it's just just great. It was just really good, and I kind of like the Haunting of Hill House that he did for Netflix. I did not enjoy the Haunting of Bly Manor, but I really is, it, is, is are those based on the the, movie the Haunting the of Haunting Hill House or? is 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 it's sort of based on the book by by um that author Shirley Jackson. But it kind of goes its own way because it's a, a you know, it's a seven part series or whatever. So it has to kind of stre- stretch it out. Okay. And so it's more about like the psychic fallout for the children of a family that stays in H- Hell House or Hill House. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it's very good though. It's a very good show. But I, 
I always find that horror can kind of get attenuated when you, like when you stretch it out, which is what attenuate means. When you stretch it out, <laughs> it kind of loses its scariness because it becomes so routine. You get used to it. Yeah. yeah like once you've done it, once you've seen four hours of something yeah, happening. It's like you're, <laughs> say, uh, well into the second year of, say, a global pandemic. Yeah. You know, you're like, well, Been it's there. horrifying and seeing all the deaths. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you're like, well, yeah. got to. Got to feed the cat, you know. <laughs> exactly. I guess we're used to this. We yeah. become, yeah. yeah, we become inured to it, just like you become inured to horror because the horror becomes routine. And once you know what the rules are, then the, those rules are unbreakable. Then you don't have to worry outside of those rules. Everything's fine. Yeah, it always is something like in a in a haunted house movie where they're making yeah. breakfast in the morning. I'm just like making breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Like what? Yeah. They, what? But we got to eat. I guess you do, but like, yeah. I guess you also have to at some point, like, go use the bathroom. Sure. But that'd be weird, like, having to go to the bathroom and you know your house is haunted. Like, do yeah. you read a book or do you just look around waiting for the ghost to come up? Like, oh my God, what do you do? Oof. Uh, do you know, what do you, do you, do you know, like, what the kind of central monster is of, uh, Midnight Mass? I think I generally do. Okay. I don't know. I I, and I by the say... way, if, when you're talking about things like, uh, yeah. that are like deal breakers, uh, at the end of the first episode, they did a deal breaker for me, but I've heard good stuff since that time. And it was like, ah, I don't know. I, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Mean. And it was just it's... like, but it was like such a deal breaker yeah. beyond the deal breaker. It's like, you know what? This guy hates. This guy hates one slap in the face. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, if he gets one slap in the face, he gets very upset. How about a hundred slaps in the face? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, okay. Do you want yeah. to, do you want to come back tomorrow? No. Yeah. I don't think so. But then everyone's like, oh, it's really nice. Like, all right. I'll come back tomorrow. Yeah. See. You kind of got to. You gotta, you gotta let it, you gotta let it. And ride. I get it because you know it's a horror movie. You've got to have the first scene in Jaws where the lady gets, uh, mm-hmm. blah, 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 which is you, my least favorite it, scene in Jaws. In this, but, in but this, it's like, yeah. yeah, you gotta have it to set it up. And I get it, I mm-hmm. get it, I get it. Yeah. This more is more like part of a creeping evil that kind of yeah. starts to come become more and more a part of the the creeble, yeah, creeble, yeah, <laughs> creeble, yeah. Who knows that? And I do like the the I'm, I'm calling him the lead actor, but hey, the, Mission the, Leader, the, yeah. pa- the pastor, yeah, yeah from um, uh, Legion, the burned guy from Legion, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he's very good. Oh, I mean, I mean, um, Kate Kate Siegel, I think her name is, who's the wife of the director of the, <laughs> she's in all his things that he does. Mm. Um, have you seen Oculus? It has Karen Gillan in it. Uh, That's a film he I did. I don't think I have. Oh, it's really good. Is it's there a, a video game from the nineties that uh, it's based on? It's not. It's strange. strange okay. But it's just a real mind bender of a, of a horror movie. It's really great. Um, where it's like kind of starts blending reality and fantasy in this really disturbing way. It's quite good. But yeah, it's um, it's well worth watching. I really, I really liked it. I rec- highly recommend it to people. Would you say it's scary? No. Okay. I don't think it's scary. But I'm, I'm that person who doesn't get that scared at scary movies. I seem to. I always kind of feel like I know it's it's a movie, so it's very. Why am I scared? But sometimes they can startle me or whatever, or I can get like a creeping sense of dread from things. Yeah, I'm looking now to see if it was based on uh, this comic book uh, from Vertigo, but it doesn't look like it was. No, I think it's original to him. Yeah, apparently he's been working on it for a long time. He did a movie called Hush about a uh, kind of it's a home invasion movie. Yeah. With his wife, in the, his wife and he wrote it, and she plays the central character. Oh, okay. And in the movie, she's a writer who is gone to this cabin to lock herself away to finish writing her story, Midnight Mass. Uh, and even in it, she goes, I've reached a scene with Riley and Aaron, and I just don't know what to do with it. Like, I'm not too sure which way I should go, which is exactly oh, that's great. from this. from this. So obviously he's 
transposing his own experiences writing Midnight Mass at the time because apparently he wrote it like 10 years ago and it's been like trying okay, to Okay, so like, that get movie is called Hush. Yeah. Now in Hush, like without too much spoilers about mm-hmm. Hush, is there a supernatural element nope. in Hush? Nope, not at all. Okay, very good. Not at all. It's a, it's a, like I say, a home invasion movie, but with a character who is, who, um, has a major disability in terms of like being in, being in danger. Well, here's the nice thing about it mm-hmm. is like, I don't know what happens in the movie. All I know is that character gets a Netflix series years later. So that's yes, fine. That's right. Well, she, that's right. She sells an Netflix. Yeah, yeah. She sells a series to Netflix <laughs> yeah, and, good. uh, cha-ching. It's all good. It's all so good, for, good for her. Yeah. yeah nice. Good job. So yeah, that was really, and so anyway, um, but the one problem I have with the show, which I have with all shows, like this is the same with Dark Shadows, <laughs> is when you introduce like supernatural elements to your show, and you have to pretend that no one's ever heard of this before. You know, like on Dark Shadows, someone should just say, oh, it sounds like it's a vampire, right? Like when you hear all the clues of stuff that's happening, someone should go, is anyone picking this up? Like, it's a vampire, right? Like we all know yeah. vampires. Was there a movie called Dracula in this reality? Yeah, that's right. That you or a book. Know. Was there a book written by a guy? In the past, that people have been, people have been, which we, yeah. you know, is one of the nice things about Lost Boys is like, you know, when the kids like it's vampires, and then the two Corys go, vampires, we got it. Here's the weaknesses. We got all the stuff. Like, yeah, they know. They've watched the movies. That's fine. He gets yeah, that's it. Perfect. Yeah, like they're all yeah. like on board. Like, sure, okay, your sure. brother's gonna do this and gonna do this. And like, yeah. all right, good, 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 good. Yeah, good. yeah. I guess, uh, I guess, and Scream, of course, does that. Very, very self-aware. I guess, um. Fright Night does that as well. Like, he knows it's a vampire, but no one believes him right. that he's a vampire. I guess he sees them, though. So he knows that he, when you see someone who's a vampire, then you... I have not seen the movie Silver Bullet, uh, uh, which also yeah. has a Corey I have seen, in it. I have seen this. And Gary Busey. I just watched a scene of it the other night. Okay. And it's like um, uh, P and Vicky had, had that on. Okay. And I was, like, uh, about to go do a show in the other room. Because uh, that's what I do. I go do shows in the other room on <laughs> yeah, Zoom. Yeah. You know, that's me. Um, uh, follow me on OnlyFans. It's not that at all. Um, so, but yeah, I was just watching like one scene, and I've ne- I, I I I wasn't sure what type of movie it was, and I think, oh, it's a werewolf movie. Ah, all right. And so it's a guy who's uh, dr- first. It was weird because there was one scene where uh, one of the Corys was going up a, you know, he was, he was obviously, like, disabled, and he was going up a chair, like a, one of those yeah, chairlift things. Yeah, he's, he's in a and, wheelchair in the Yeah, family. and Gary Busey is drinking, and the mom is like, don't drink in front of him. Don't tell me what to do. And like, I don't know. Uncle Frank. Yeah, Uncle Frank. <laughs> and then they cut to a completely different guy drinking. And I'm like, boy, they really are uh, hitting this theme. That's Stephen King. What's that? That's, that is Stephen King. Oh, fair enough. He had a drinking problem, so in his movies and in his stories... Well, have the guy do the, some cocaine. He major, was also doing that. The main, no, no. This is before. This is pre-cocaine. This is when he was not rich enough for Fair cocaine enough. yet. But it was a guy who... You, you thought that Gary Busey was a drinker. Yeah. This guy's a stereotype of a drinker. Yeah. He's got the suspenders. He's sure. got the belly. He's got beers all around. Yeah, and, yeah. Blah, 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 and he hears something. Right? And goes to uh, like uh, the... <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess like a greenhouse. Yeah, and you're yeah. thinking, oh, this is like E.T., you know, he's going to discover a lovely alien in there. Anyway, so he opens up and all these uh, pots keep getting like knocked over. He's like, oh, the pots. Ah, and he's mad. And he's like, oh, more pots. And they keep getting smashed. And I was like, why is a werewolf smashing pots and yeah. pushing? Why is a werewolf teasing him with pots? And, <laughs> and so he gets to the center of the room and he's looking around. And then uh, the werewolf hands reach up from the floorboards, bust through, grab his legs 
and pull him down. Yeah. You know, like a werewolf does. Yeah. What? <laughs> and so they pull him down. And you think like, oh, the werewolf's going to like, you know, eat him. No. The werewolf pulls him down and then there's a bit of wood that's sticking out and that impales him. He's, oh, and he's all bleeding from the bit of wood and then gets pulled, pulled down under. And, and you just see like the werewolf hands like pull him down. Like, what the fuck is this? What's this? What's werewolfy about this nonsense? Yeah. yeah. Like pushing pots and then hiding under a floorboard yeah. and then grabbing a thing. No, That's no. not werewolfy at all. He doesn't even kill the guy. A bit of wood clear kills him. So I was like, eh. yeah. well, a werewolf likes to kill things. He doesn't like to eat a dead thing. None of this is right, Stephen King. You know why? Do you know why this movie is popular? No. Because at a certain age, for certain people, they were able to rent it from the video store. Yeah. That's I all, mean, it's that's very it 80s. That's all it is. I would watch it for the 80s-ness of it. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're not wrong. That's all That's all it is for that film. Uh, the movie, I think, is a better movie, the, a werewolf film. Not not American Werewolf in London, which I think is a fun film, but I don't think it's a, it's a great film or a good film even, okay. uh, is The Howling. Okay. Which I think Joe Dante's film, The Howling. Yeah, it feels like there was a period there in the 80s where it was like, I don't know, werewolves? Well, like, yeah, let's it's the usual thing of like one studio hears another studio is doing a werewolf film. They're like, where's our werewolf film? Well, had um, American Werewolf in London come out uh, before this? Yeah, or? it came out prior to. Yeah, it kind of showed, oh, werewolves. Yeah. Cool. I think the coolness was, wow, look at the look at the effects of the transformation we can do now. Like we're way ahead of the days where like, you know, Lon Chaney slowly had hair glued onto his face. Uh, you know, and just had to stand in one place while hair kind of grew on his face or whatever. Now we're at this place where we can have like the, the snout come out and the hand stretch and all those sort of effects. You know, so people are very keen on, on, on that element also, of it. Also, werewolves are a little bit easy. You know, you get the fursuit and then you can do the POV <laughs> and he's attacking. Sure. But and he doesn't do the shit like he doesn't turn into a wolf. Like he does turn into a wolf, but like a wolf man. Yeah. But he doesn't like a vampire. He turns into a wolf and a bat and rats and fly, and he doesn't have three wives, and they all have superpowers too. And you know, when you when you stab him, he turns to like. There's just so much with a vampire that's like this is expensive. Yeah. And it's like, how about a werewolf? What's he do? He just gets hairy and then runs <laughs> around. I like it. What's fun about the the howling though is it ha- you know it does have like that those sort of fun elements, but it's more it's more intellectual. Like it has like the you know this okay. I'm saying this. Let me just say. <laughs> I watch this movie. Well, I like all the back. I've seen this movie once. I've seen this movie once. Okay, all right. I rented it at Uh home video. Uh This is how this is how old it is since I saw this movie. But let me just say that I, as I remember it, there's like you know it has that kind of you know pop psychology guru who's like you know leading the sort of idea that you know we need to get back to our like primitive selves, our primal beings and stuff like that. What he means is I'm a werewolf and I think everyone else should be werewolves as well. Okay. You know, so it has that par- element to it that's kind of fun that's different from your just your normal kind of run-of-the-mill guy, you know, werewolf uh, run amok or whatever, which is cool as well, but but you know, it's a little bit stale. Like Sil- Silver Bullet is like the least of all those films that came out of that in that time period. Like American Werewolf in London for all its problems and it does have problems. It has some, you know, interesting things. It has some fun elements to it. it. Has his dead friend Jack, who keeps appearing, yeah. and you know, and the other victims appearing to him and stuff like that. That's a cool part of it. You know, yeah. the, the actual like the victim having a voice. People. The victims have a voice. Yeah, yeah, they have. Pe- there were people. Yeah. Here's my thing with like werewolves, and you tell me if you if you know about this or not. Sure. Um, it feels like uh, so so a werewolf will uh, scratch someone, and then they'll become a werewolf. Is right? that all it takes? 
Well, maybe a, a bite or okay. something. But it's not that whole vampire, you've got to surrender yourself mm-hmm. to me, and then yeah, I drink yeah. your blood, you drink my blood. It's basically <laughs> like, what were you doing? I was just going through the woods and uh, got attacked by something the yeah. other night. And I yeah. feel weird. And I'm, ah, now you're a werewolf. Yeah. But like, how do werewolves feel about the werewolf that they made into a werewolf? Are they friends? Are they now part of the same pack? Or are these werewolves yeah. uh, co- competitors for prey, mm. you know, so, so my question is when you're saying like everyone should be a werewolf, that's an interesting idea is like someone who's a were- wolf, wolf man who is not embarrassed about it, just like, no, it's great. We should all be werewolves. <laughs> yeah. There's no downside to being a werewolf. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you, you just go out and maybe kill some animals or what have some you. Some people, whatever. Well, we're the, we're, we're, we are now at the top of the food but chain. But I'll tell you something that we don't kill. We don't kill other werewolves. Yeah. Yeah. So, so look. If you join us and you just let me scratch you, you're a werewolf now too. I've got, and it's just a werewolf who wants an enormous pack. Yeah. I want the biggest pack possible. Sure. And, and, you know, join my pack and, uh, yeah, and things will be fine. Then we'll all be werewolves and we'll just go out hunting. <laughs> You'll eat good food. You'll, uh, you know, uh, three nights a month. You, this happens, big fucking deal. And we all uh, get some exercise. <laughs> and I think we might be immortal. We might be. No, aside from that. Things are great. I don't think they're immortal, but yeah. Werewolves? Yeah, I don't think Do you think a werewolf die? Have you ever seen werewolf die of old age? Well, no, they get killed in the movie. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, <laughs> do they, uh, we do have they no die evidence. of old age? I do not think that's part of the myth that they that they live forever. But could they? I don't think that's part unless, of the myth. Unless I've seen a werewolf die of old age, they live forever. Well, you never see them live for that long. They get killed. Well, that's here's the, the other question. Is, do they live the, the length of a life that a wolf would? Like are they right. live seven years. Dogs, yeah, dogs yeah. age now. Is yeah, that yeah, how that's that goes? right. They age much faster. I don't know. That seems like an angle. It's just like <laughs> a person who's just trying to get you to be a, a werewolf and try to. Well, you should watch the Howling. You might enjoy it. I don't know. I will. Maybe with, I will, with, Dave. With D Wallace. Maybe I'll watch it on Halloween. There you go. Tonight we're watching. Uh, after this, our friend Nina Matsumoto, Third Dragon, uh, co-creator of Sparks, uh, <laughs> is and Sparks Double Dog Dare and Sparks, the upcoming Sparks Future Perfect. Uh, is uh, going to be showing us a film uh, called uh, One Cut of the Dead. Yes. Yeah, which apparently... Zombie film, which I'm about as thrilled about as eating a... Eating a uh, You're not a zombie cream fan? That fell on the ground. No, I'm not. I find them very dull. I love I love the discovery of a world that has cha- become... Or the change. Like I like like when things are like overrun by zombies. Like I like the beginning of Dawn of the Dead, the, uh, mm-hmm. the Zach um, Galifianakis version. Yeah. That one I enjoy because, you know, it's fun to see, like, people discovering, like, what the holy fuck? What's going on? Like, yeah. I think that's interesting. What do you think the movie's about? Dawn of the Dead? No, One Cut of the Dead. I know what it's about. Okay. And that doesn't about. interest you? Not really. Okay. No. Like, I normally am not a fan of a zombie movie, but the idea of what it's about interests me. Eh. Zombies. But anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see what, we'll see what it's commenting about because now zombies are symbolic of things. But we'll see. We'll see. I also like one cut movies. Like one cut movies? Yeah. There was another example of a one cut movie. Um, the uh, Bruce Campbell movie uh, that was that heist movie. Uh, that's the first one that comes to mind. Bruce uh, Campbell movie? That's yeah, a heist movie? Yeah, Bruce Campbell heist movie that was one cut. Let's see. Oh. Uh, uh, one cut, a heist movie. And a doo ba doo ba doo ba doo. And I'll look it up. While we talk about other things, because <laughs> okay. that's what I'm gonna do. Thank you for singing. Ba ba doo ba doo boo.
Okay, so what is your favorite horror movie topic? Do you like a vampire movie? Do you like a, a ghost movie? What do, what do you like? Yeah, I'm a, I like ghost movies. Even though I think ghosts are, are not a very effective <laughs> it's a dramatic thing. So but why I, so why do you like the movies? I like a ghost like? movie because ghosts can you can create the best atmosphere with a ghost movie. Okay. Like a werewolf movie, it's scary when the werewolf is doing things, but like it's not as pervasive a creeping dread as like a ghost or a haunted house is. Okay. Oh you Running know? Time is the name of the film. Running Time. Yeah, running well, time. Well that's not one cut or any oh. Yeah, it is. Running time. Yeah. Like I don't understand what you mean by one cut then. Oh, the, you never get a break in the uh, in the in the scene. Oh, is one cut like a one one shot film? Yeah, it's a one shot film. Oh, wow! So you didn't know what the movie was about? I didn't realize that. I knew like the general like. But you don't know. But you didn't know film. the gimmick of the film. Okay, I didn't know that was the gimmick of the movie. Yeah, it's like a musical that you didn't realize was a musical. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But I know like the the general plot of the film, but I didn't know the how they're doing it. I didn't know how that that was part of it. Okay. okay, interesting. So a lot of like camera drifting past pillar. I wonder what the cut was. Hmm. Uh, so um, yeah, I just think ghosts are like like Dracula is okay, but but once again, it's very rule based. You know, like there's a lot of rules around va- werewolves and vampires, and you kind of feel like okay, I get I get it. There's a lot of rules and stuff. Like what's scary about a vampire? Like when he comes to your house and wants to suck your blood. You know, eh, it's okay. Or a, va- a werewolf. I mean. A werewolf was as scary as, like, the bear attack in The Revenant, to me. Like, what's the difference? And the thing is, werewolves are dumb. That's the other thing, too. It's like, you think, like, what if a wolf was yeah. as smart as a person? Yeah. Like, a wolf that knew how to, like, open a door and, like, knew <laughs> stuff. Sure. You know, could figure stuff out. Yeah, but then, you know, he'd be, he'd be the big bad wolf from Three Little Pigs. Maybe. And he'd have a thumb. He has an opposable thumb. And overalls. And overalls and uh, <laughs> he, apparently amazing lung capacity. <laughs> You can just blow a house down. Yes. Like it feels like if you could blow a house down, yeah. just swipe it with your freaking arm, and they're taking the house down. But to me, like violence isn't scary. Violence isn't scary. So it's too. It happens. It has to happen too quickly to be scary. It's just you know, like like there's in uh, Mag- uh, *Malignant*, for instance. There are there's a couple of fight sequences. Okay. And it's fun. You know, it's a fight sequence. I enjoy seeing people get beaten up and etc. But it's not scary. It's a, just a fight sequence. You're not. It's not. No one's. It doesn't feel like anyone's at risk. I mean, besides people who are getting beaten up and stuff like that. But you know what I mean. There's nothing. There's nothing hanging on this. I was trying to remember uh, one that was a famous uh, no cut movie. 1917. Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Bro- there you go. Bro- uh, Birdman. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a movie. Yeah, that's a movie. I didn't. I didn't enjoy very much because of that. That element of it. They're saying touch of evil. That can't be right. No. Okay. It's not a one cut movie. I maybe mean, maybe they're talking about long tracking shots now. Maybe, they are. maybe one, that's it. That's one exactly cut scene. They're talking about. Yeah, they also got children and men here. That's not true. Once but again, they do have has a long, track, has a long, long tracking track sequence, and of course, yeah. rope. Obviously, it has a couple of long long tracking sequences in um, Children of Men because the scene where they're driving along and then they end up in the ambush and they have to back up and they're being chased. That's mm-hmm. all. That's all one shot. That's right. Yeah, one shot in quotation marks because they do edit anyway. They just in a very hide clever them. way. Very cleverly done, yes. I mean, I don't think it's terrible. I just think it's sort of over, over, like overrated. Okay. As a thing. Like any kind of gimmick, like a long gimmick like that. Like say you had a movie where the gimmick was you never saw the main actor. And there would be, it's, it's distracting after a while. There was a movie like that called Lady of the Lake with Robert Montgomery. Mm-hmm. He directed it. It's a, it's a, it's a, a Raymond Chandler story. So was he an alien at the end? You find out he's he, an alien? Don't find out he's an alien. You see him Damn once it. in the film. He looks in a mirror in the movie. And that's the one time you see his face. The rest of the film, you are his point of view. But it's so limiting that it gets boring. It's like a Harker Henry. 
Like after a while, you're just kind of bored because it's just the same thing over and over again for a long time. It's that one character's point of view. Now I'm trying to think of Crank as that. No, Crank is not that. Crank, we we are we are witnessing uh, Jason Statham's. No, no, I mean adventures. Crank is in one one non-cut. Like if it just goes continuously, I don't think so. I don't there's think no edit point where you uh, cut away from oh, him. You're following him through the whole thing. That's a good point, I, but I don't think so. I don't think it's promoted as that or been ever exclaimed for that. Yeah, but I can't see how they would. Uh, you know, do do anything else? Huh? I'm curious. I gotta look that up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just find like movie gimmicks like that are just sort of distracting rather than rather than uh, enjoyable. But we'll see. Maybe next week when you talk to me, I'll be like, "That was the greatest movie I've seen all week. Better than Dune. Better than The French Dispatch. Better than." It feels almost like when you have a haunted house movie, you shouldn't be able to understand what the ghost can do. Mm. You know, and I understand the deal is usually find the rules, break the rules, or whatever. You know, <laughs> or, you know, solve the problem using the rules. But I just feel like. If it's something that's that supernatural, you as a person should not be able to go, I get it. It's like, no, you don't get it. It's like this thing is existing on another uh, plane of existence. And, you know, it crosses over lightly with us and has, you know, an agenda. But you don't get it. How could you get it? There's no way. It'd be like, you know, your whole thing was like hunting a toddler. And it's like it's from the toddler's point of view. It's like, hmm, all right, I get what this person's all about. They want to give me candy. No, you don't get it, you dumb toddler. You wouldn't know. <laughs> this thing's got infinite more experience than you. Yeah. 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 It's not... I think you could kill Macaulay Culkin pretty easy in a Home Alone movie. Those guys weren't good. No, no, they were dumb. They yeah. Were dummies. Yeah. What was their What was their goal again? Well, they were. What were, what were they, they were thieves, and they wanted to break into that house, and then he stops them from breaking. Right. Into at a certain point, though, like you're so mad at the kid. Yeah. Set the house on fire, right? <laughs> But you're going to destroy the things you want to steal. No, no, no. But you're beyond that now. Now you're oh, just okay. like, you're I just so... want to kill the child. You've reached mousetrap level insanity. Right. And uh, and were, they, were the mousetrap people bad people as well? And they deserved all the mousetrapping that they got? Well, or were they likable? They, uh... were, they were kind of... They were One was like kind of a likable oaf and the other one was kind of a, a conniving schemer. Okay, but not in deserving of, say, getting a nail through the foot. Uh, or their heads burned. Yeah, I don't think they quite got the nail through the foot thing, but there is a lot of damage to them and to the house. They're trying to trap the mice. Right. A Gorbavinsky film, actually. There we go. Yeah. Well done. Speaking of horror films, The Ring. That's a film. That's a creeping dread film with a ghost. But what's good about that film is that they don't, they just let the ghost be like one evil motherfucker. Just, you know, that's fun to me. Go for it. That's what I say. Go for it. I haven't seen too much horror lately. I've been kind of out out of the horror mood. Well, it's, a good, it's a good time to get back into it. It's Halloween. It's Halloween, though. Yeah, yeah. Put a little Suspiria. Watch that one more time. What the heck? <laughs> it's always fun to have that playing in the house when the kids come to collect things. Oh. Have goblins screaming away and yelling and banging pots and pans or whatever they're doing for their music. That's the way I first saw that movie. I just, I never, I didn't know what it was. I just turned it on. It was on TV and I just turned it on. And How old were you when you saw it? Oh, it was, no, it was like an adult. I was, the kids wrote. Halloweening with their mom and and a friend a friend of the family they wrote walking around the town and I was being the uh, candy delivery person in the door and yeah I just turned that on and it was like this crazy noisy movie and I was just like what am I seeing this is fantastic when you were a little kid what was your uh, Halloween costume of choice like when when you uh, not when you're like a like in your like twelve or yeah, you yeah. know a hip to what's going on, but when you're like an innocent little kid, what was your uh, Halloween costume? Of I seems we had a different one every year. 
But yeah. my mom would usually just do a sp- store-bought one with like the the horrible smelling mask and the cheap plastic with smock. a name written on it. Yeah, like, I'm a he's a fireman. You can tell because it says fireman. Yeah, I d- I was again I was doing critical hit show last night, and so my costume uh, was a 1970s uh, Halloween costume. So I didn't have a mask because uh, it was too hard to breathe, so yeah, I wasn't yeah. allowed to wear it. Yeah, and then I just had "Man from Atlantis" written on my chest, <laughs> and so I was the man from Atlantis. <laughs> wow, Patrick Duffy. Patrick Duffy, indeed, yeah. yeah. There you go. That famous swimming style that we all imitated as, as uh, yeah, kids. doing the kicks, yeah, kick, 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 and then uh, you want. Oh, I wish I had webbed hands. <laughs> Why weren't my mother and uh, father, uh, brother and sister? Then I could have some nice webbed hands like that. Uh, really swim good. Cool. The other film I saw recently at the Cottonwood. I saw *Malignant* at the, at the Cottonwood. Okay. I saw *Cry Macho*, the new. Uh, oh, Clint Eastwood. Possibly last Clint Eastwood movie. By the way, I'd see a movie called *Cottonwood*. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good movie. Probably uh, <laughs> Tom Waits would be in that one, of course. Okay. He if won't. he was in Ironweed, he'd, oh, okay. he'd be in Cottonwood. He'd be in Cottonwood. Yeah. He's not the main character of Ironweed, but yes, okay. No, no. But he's going to be a character in a movie. Yeah, he had, the, he had the best opening line, though, of, uh, of like any character I've seen in a movie, which was like, uh, government gave me cancer. It's the only thing anyone ever gave me. Huh. Yeah, there you go. That's a good opening line. Sure. Well done, you. <laughs> what, what's you. What are you about? I've never seen that movie. Well, sorry to have spoiled the opening line. Yeah. Also in Dracula. We're going back to Dracula. Say the same thing. Okay. So you're at the Cottonwood. You're watching... We watched uh, Cry Macho. Cry Macho and? How do you mean? How was it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's another movie? Yeah. What do you What do you want to know? What's with all the questions? What's with the, what's with the third macho degree? Cry Macho and Exclaim Macho, the, the, the sequel. Uh, what do I think of the movie? Well, my one feeling is that Clint Eastwood is way too old to be acting in movies. Okay, is he having three ways in this one like he did in the the Mule? He had a three-way in the Mule? Oh, two three-ways. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to watch that movie. Because here's the thing, folks. Clint Eastwood is like 90 years old. He is old. He talks old. He looks old. His behind has disappeared. It's disappeared into his old madness. Okay. He's just like a bent-over assless old man. Well, he gets along around. well with the uh, the lesbian Viking gang, though, right? That's all. The only scene I've seen is him with the lesbian bike, bike, biker gang. I don't remember who has that. a who has a name that I'm not going to say out loud, and uh, he just calls them by that name, and they bond because they like him. I'm going to say the last two words of it on bikes is the uh, yeah, name yeah, of yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah. I don't remember that scene at all. <laughs> okay, that's the only scene I've seen. Um, yeah, he plays like a, an old cow cowhand, an old cowboy. All right, who is tasked by his friend. We think he's his friend anyway. Someone who's looked after him. He had a bad life. Clint Eastwood's character had a hard life. You know, made, it, made his life harder than it should have been. Right. And his friend played by popular country, modern country singer, Dwight Yoakam. Yep. Yoakam's a pretty good actor. He does a... He's a pretty... In this movie, he's got nothing to do. But yeah, he's okay. good in movies. He's one of those people that... His hat hides a lot. Okay. Yeah. His hat hides you. a lot. I gotcha. Like, when you see him, like... Your whole life wearing that hat, singing pretty hip country songs and stuff like that. Then you see him in Sling Blade, you're like, whoa? <laughs> but anyway. There's a reason to wear the hat. Yeah, there's a good reason when you have long hair. And anyway, yeah. anyway, we'll go on with that. Um, so he tasks Clint Eastwood's character, who's an old man, clearly nine years old, in his senescence, in his, you know, his, sure. his twilight years, tasks him with going down to Mexico yeah. and finding his son. Right. And he's like, you know, he, his mother lives here. Go get my son. And so Clint Eastwood gets in his red pickup truck, 
drives across the Mexican border. Sure. Where he follows a jeep full of young hippie chicks. They're actually described in the credits as hippie chicks. Okay. So I guess this movie takes place in the past. It's hard to tell. They don't really like, it's nothing like, you know, no one's like on the internet at some point in the film. <laughs> so. Okay. When he drives down to Mexico City, he goes to this mother's house, which is a fancy house. And this lady who is like, you know, maybe in her 40s, I don't know, 50s. Okay. At most, like, wants to sleep with him. Yeah, there you go. And you're like, yeah, you can't sleep with this person. He will die. Yeah. He will die. If he, yeah. if he even gets an erection. That's going to take away vital blood from his heart. And all that's going to come out fall is over dust. Dead. And then, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's all just skeleton again there. But yeah. it makes no sense. And you're like, does she? Like, if, yeah. if they put in a scene after of her putting on her glasses and her eyes magnified to the size of two, like, silver dollars in her, like, then you went, oh, she's blind and couldn't see that he's clearly a walking mummy. Yeah. yeah she's always be... been attracted to dried apple dolls. <laughs> But, but instead, no, they have her, like, seriously, like, trying to, like, pat the bed. So he'll come over and he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. No, you're right. Because you would fall apart. You're literally, yeah. your legs would end up on the floor and, you know, you'd just be nothing. Because you're are almost, you look like you're broken. You look like a puppet that's being controlled by strings from above. That's what you look like. Yeah. You are so old. There's, there's, whatever is making you work, I don't understand. He doesn't feel lucky, punk. <laughs> so... By the way, the movie takes place in 79. Ah, okay. So he he makes an enemy. But what she is, I don't know. Like It seems to imply that she's some sort of like crime lord. Okay. She has like henchmen. Okay. But what is she? Like it doesn't say what, like who she is or what. She was married to this friend of his okay. who's a rancher. Why was a rancher married to like a Mexican drug lord or whatever she is? I don't know. How do you get a job as a henchman? Maybe she's an antique stealer who has a henchman. I don't know. It doesn't really explain. I mean, I think she's just a black widow who bangs old men until they die and then takes there their wallets. There you go. She's probably got just a pile of sticks in the back and you yeah. go like, what are those sticks? Oh, no, they're all men. Sure. All of them were men. There you go. So he goes after, he goes to look for the, her son, who we've been told has been, habitu- has been a habitué of uh, cockfights. So he goes to a cockfight and there's the son. The first one. You know, you kind of speed this stuff up. Could have a montage. I'm going to a few different ones just to kind of get a sense yeah. of him. Cert- no, this right first one. There he is. He is 90. He doesn't have time for looking. He could die before he finds him if yeah. he had to go to two or three. So he finds this kid with his rooster, whose name is Macho. Oh, so he is a uh, he's like a Pokemon trainer, but for roosters. But for roosters, yeah. And okay. he's like, you know, I choose you and throws and slaughter. But before the, there can be a fight. Because who in modern times really wants to watch like two roosters hurting themselves in a fight? What's the lot? For some reason, it was like a popular thing in the seventies to have like there's a cockfight in the they the yeah. they have a locust. Yeah, there's the movie Cockfighter. The the um what was the guy's name? He directed, he directed Two Lane Blacktop. Can't remember his name now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, it was a popular thing. Probably probably in Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. There's a cockfight in there. Anyhow, so um. Before the, the cockfight can happen. Uh, Monty Hellman. Monty Hellman, thank you. Yes. Good director. Ride the Whirlwind. Chickens, chickens disagree. The chickens did not like that movie. I mean, no, no chickens were harmed in the making, or no roosters were harmed in the making of that film. Okay. I don't know. Mm. Stars Warren Oates. It's a good movie. All right. It's a good movie, but not a popular film because it's a disgusting topic. Yeah. But anyway, so the police come, break it up before we get to any of the pleasures of watching two animals hurt themselves with spurs and all the rest of it and uh, <clears throat> Clint Eastwood has to hide from the cops 
He does this by stepping sideways behind a crate. <laughs> where he remains until they've rounded up the rest of the gang. Yeah. And then the, the, ki- the kid he's looking for has also carefully hit himself as well by hopping behind a crate. Has he hit his rooster as well? Or yeah, is- yes, rooster's with him as well. Mexican- and the rooster's being quiet. Yes. He's a very good rooster. And by the way, Mexican police don't like to look behind boxes. So if you are in Mexico and you're in trouble, yeah. go behind a box. Okay. You will not be caught by the police. It's good, uh, it's good, it's good advice. I learned, learned this from the movie. So then we get a little bit of a uh, road trip going on. They, 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 uh, they, he takes the kid, you know, and they, he convinces them they should go, go see his dad. This hard-ass kid who's, you know, takes a rooster and puts it into a bloody battle with another rooster. Just like, yeah, I'd love to see my dad. Let's go. So they start a road trip together. And then there's like various things that they, that they kind of meet along the way. But there's a scene in the film... See in the movie. Yeah. Right? Comes to the small town and they need to earn some money. So Clint Eastwood, nine years. Nine years. Tricks. <laughs> yes. Yes. There is him, a scene of him on the strip. No kissing. Wearing, wearing, a, wearing a black <laughs> vest, you know, like one of those kind of fish. Everybody's vests. talking at yeah. me. <laughs> That's why he cries macho. Want to go around the world? <laughs> No. He goes to the small Who town. He wants to party. He comes to the small town <laughs> and he gets a job as a as breaking horses. Okay. So someone's been cat, cat, catching feral horses. Yeah. And they need to and they can get more money f- selling the horses if the horses are broke rather sure, than just sure. selling a yeah, horse yeah. that's never been under saddle. So Clint Eastwood, may I underline this again, 90-year-old man, sure, practically made entirely of chalk is a supposedly not we don't actually see his face. Supposedly sitting on bucking horses, yeah. breaking them so people could ride them. Is there a scene where the horses turn to each other and just go, I feel bad for the guy. I can't, <laughs> it's not, I can't I'm do just going to do like some, yeah, like some little little leaps to make him feel good. Like yeah, he's really, I feel, uh, I feel oh, terrible about this. you're breaking me. Like, I'm a wild horse. <laughs> Winnie. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, it's kind of hopping up and down. And this, this supposedly nine-year-old, no, 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 no. If he fell off that horse, mm-hmm. he would literally be like Humpty Dumpty. You could <laughs> not put him back together again. Okay. Like, it's just, it's so silly. Like, I don't know. Maybe people who don't know, like, horse riding or watching that, they're going like, yeah, that's believable. Nine-year-old man on a horse. Of course. There's horses. Anyone can do that. No big deal. You're seven feet in the air. <laughs> you're seven feet in the air. You're bucked into the air. So yeah. you're even higher. Yeah. Coming down. Like, no like even riding would be difficult <laughs> getting on the horse would be difficult like just getting your legs over can you imagine being nine years old well and they do they have a montage off the top where you see that he's keeping himself in good shape he's doing push-ups every day no. really getting some yoga no real flexible all he seems to do is driving mm. and then turning down the advances of a blind woman <laughs> there's no activity because he's old right right like if he was like say clint eastwood of the 70s he would like jump behind the boxes. He would dive behind yeah, those boxes. Yeah. Go every which way but loose. Yeah, exactly. Any which way he can. Uh, yeah, uh, an orangutan would kiss him. Sure. And then uh, they'd make a farting noise and get, <laughs> flip the bird to the cops. <laughs> that's right. So And off to a cockfight. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the case. Like, he is so old. Kind of like. How old is he? 90. Kind of like. Okay. Kind of like. Uh, watching Samuel L. Jackson in an action movie where he does a lot of sitting. Yeah. In this movie, he is sitting in a truck. He is sitting on a bed. He's hiding behind some boxes. He's sitting in a truck. 
He's yeah. sitting in a car. Right. He's sitting in a restaurant. Sure. He's sitting in a... He's sitting. He's sitting on a horse. Now, is the point of the movie that the kid's idea of what it means to be a man is incorrect? And Clint uh, teaches him there's more to uh, life than being macho? Uh, is that the point? Yeah. But does Clint know that off the top or does he learn it as well? Because it seems like he's I, uh, a macho guy. He he knows that. He knows he's wasted his life being a man. Uh, that he's hurt idea. himself... Following a code of being manly. Okay. And, you know, not okay. not making good decisions, you know, putting yourself at risk stupidly and getting hurt and continuing to... Not hurt enough your... to not be able to ride a horse at the age of 90. But yeah. <laughs> continuing to punish yourself until you're just a, a broken husk of a man. Okay. All right. You know, and that that's a good lesson. I think that's a good thing to talk about in a movie, to be honest with you. Here's, uh, here's but what... But I think... Oh, go ahead. A Clint of, of 60... Would have been a better choice than a Clint of ninety, and it doesn't have to be Clint to make this movie. Clint could have hired someone to do that role, and it would have right. it would have been perfectly fine. Did he direct this as well? He directed it as well. Yeah, yes. yeah. He does That's not, of course, does he not, not direct a film. No, I, I, I got you. He's going to make that extra money as well. And right. I understand that he enjoys doing it, and there's no reason for him to stop. This movie made money for Warner Brothers. You know, it didn't cost much to make. Did it? Well, not in the theaters, but once it's sold to whoever, okay. to streaming services, it'll be fine. They'll be fine. Okay. It's a break-even proposition. They don't care. They just, they want him to be happy. He's Clint Eastwood. He's a, he's a, he's like a, a gem in their, their crown, you know? Okay. What it says here is, uh, it underperformed at the box office, grossing, yeah. uh, $11 million against a three, $33 million production That's budget. That's nothing. $33 million is nothing. Nothing. Oh, okay. So it's nothing. That movie, it'll make it back. It'll it'll sell. It, foreign money will come in. Okay. He's a bankable name. Okay. It'll get sold to streaming services. It will make his money back. They you, don't care. You sound like a good agent for him. I appreciate they that. They don't care about that. They just want him to be happy, you know. Do you know who was originally uh, cast in the part in 2011? 2011? Tommy Lee Jones? Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Well, that it's true, but uh, oh, fair enough. No. Uh Okay, so, uh, but, but here we go. Uh, the first lead that was suggested. Yeah. Uh, for, oh no, that's not correct at all. <laughs> it was Bud Court? Oh wait, no, no, okay. it was. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the original, okay, first person that was suggested for the part was Robert Mitchum. And this was, uh, in 88. Too old. Suggested. Too old. Uh, then Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider in 88? Yeah. Uh, 91. They actually became filming it in 91. Okay. Didn't, uh, get completed. Okay. Then they tried making it with Burt Lancaster. Too old. Then they tried making it with Pierce Brosnan. Okay. Then they tried uh, starting it with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that didn't get off the ground. Okay. And uh, because he became mayor instead, apparently. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that's that's where it's been until it got picked up and done by Clint Eastwood. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, author of the the novel has has a hand in the screenplay for the film. Yeah, I mean, it would be a perfectly pleasant. I mean, here's it's a here's sentimental tri movie. Here's it's trivia a, for it's you: for old people to watch, like me. Okay, uh, when was the last film in which Clint Eastwood yeah. rode a horse? And I'll tell you this much: it was 1992. Unforgiven, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was the last film he rode a horse in 1992. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, he did Pale Rider before that. It's not. It's not super common for him to ride horses. I mean, after after a certain point, he kind of gave up on that whole thing. You know. Like, there's no horses in Honky Tonk Man or the any which way you can movies or or Heartbreak Ridge or Pink Cadillac. Oh, or man, you really listen. Good for you. <laughs> the, the Space, space Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, I was like, when do you get to the Space Cowboys? There you go. Well done, you. 
But uh, so enjoyable film, or did that take you out of it to the point where you? Yeah, it, you cannot his, recommend it, even yeah. though you think it's going to make its money back. His his uh, yeah, he is the he is the drawback to that film. Okay, and I, and I like Clint Eastwood. Like I do like him. I like him as a I like him as an actor. I like him as a director. I was listening to an interview with him when he did. Um, this was a little while ago. So it might have, it was either Richard Jewell. I think it was Richard Jewell okay. was coming out and he was doing an interview. I was a podcast I listened to. It was like the Director's Guild podcast and they're talking to him. And I, one thing he said, which I made me like him was that he said, he said, do you attend casting set like editions and stuff? Do you, do you attend those? He said, no, I can't because I would hire every actor who walked in the door Aww. because I just want to support them so much. Yeah. I don't want to not give someone a job, you know, but you have to be realistic. You need to find the best person for each, each role, you know, so I, he said, I just, have my casting agents and they make recommendations and I make choices based on there. And I just thought that, what a sweetie, you know, yeah. like someone who still appreciates how hard it is to do the job he does, you know, and is one of those people who is just kind of like, ah, eh, you got to work, you got to pun it, you got to be punished to do this work. You know, you can't, you can't be babied and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's, who wants to hear that from people? He also, again, nonsense. I believe he lives in the land of give a fuck. So that's good. I'm, I like him. Yeah. And I like the fact that, you know, actors who work with him come away from the movies they do and say, greatest movie yeah. experience i've ever had like i just love making that movie just great guy super professional you know there's no no need for 70 takes he's not there to break you down he's there to get a good performance from you and that's good enough second take good let's let's move on everyone did he direct unforgiven yes yeah. uh yeah i know i know someone who was in, i know two people who were in that okay and both really uh uh had a great experience yeah well, that's good that's a good yeah. set that's a professional set there's no no reason to me that for me that a movie should or actors should be punished to films. Shelley Duvall, I don't think that's a, something Agreed. that should happen. Yeah, yeah, I don't. And that's not. I mean, Shelley Duvall isn't the only actor who acted for Stanley Kubrick who was punished. You know, as an actor acting for him. I mean, the Birds. Oh, I was thinking more. For, uh, uh, well, understand. that's an example, sure, of another of a film where the no need. Why should the Why should the yeah. actress be put into da- into danger? Although that's Tiffany Hedren, right? Yeah, I guess she kind of karma for as pre-karma for for roar a film where seven a 70 people were injured i understand i don't think you can have pre-karma you can that's an example but right there okay sorry all right gonna have people's scalps turn off by i I know it's a pretty uh, awful yeah that's right but i uh i disagree that pre-karma is a thing sorry apparently exists i didn't know it either but now i know i know it is fair enough fair enough that is that is case closed sir the All judge right. is ruled. Oh. Then I'm going to, uh, since we've gotten to the topic of uh, scalps being taken off, I'm going to change the subject. Uh, Dave. <laughs> yes, sir. You gave me some music today to listen to. I did. I did. And I was like, uh, wait a second. I paid a penny for uh, the first 12 albums. <laughs> oh, no. And now you're telling me each one of these songs cost yeah. me $20? Sure. Uh, Explain that to me. Well, there's a reason it's called Kadumbia House Records. Oh, <laughs> They got you. No, um, yeah, I sent you some songs today because I, I promised two weeks ago that we would play some Halloween songs. Okay. And I know it says top five, but I kind of like, I kind of like chose some of my favorites for listening party okay. for the Halloween episode. So these are kind of ones that were also ones that I liked. Oh, okay. This is where this fits, everyone. This and is also the ones rest I liked. Yeah, and the rest. Here on this show, we're second <laughs> best. Okay. So now we've. You like to maintain that an air of superiority <laughs> and condescension, but besides that, you oh, also do I? <laughs> okay, continue. You also have maintained through the years I've known you, yeah, 
that there is only one Halloween song. Yeah, there is. And that song is Monster Mash. Oh, is that right? Okay. You always I say always, that. I always said that the only song was uh, uh, the Who's Who Are You, but the parody version uh, that was Boo. <laughs> boo are boo, you. Boo, where it goes. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. I really want to hunt. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Boo, boo. So, yeah, no, you, I, I, I just, because the thing about, I mean, the reason Monster Mash is like the only song to come down to us now is that it's good. It's a good novelty song. Like it has, it's a fun song. Sure. It has someone doing their Boris Karloff impersonation, which yet to this day kills because Boris Karloff, still a beloved actor, known by everyone, small children, to from two to eighty-two. It is a Boris Karloff impression. Oh, wait, is it actually Boris Karloff who does the Grinch who stole Christmas yes, narration? Yes. Okay, so if nothing else, yeah, they know him from that. Sure, and they're like, I guess that's what he's doing. Uh, and believe me, Bobby quote Boris quote Pickett rode that Boris Karloff impersonation for. Did a Did Boris long time. Karloff ever try to make any dough off this and go like, "Hey, by the way, that's no. my voice here." Par- parody. It's for a novel. It's a, that's a parody. You can't. Yeah. Nothing you can do about it. Okay. Do you think Rich Little paid <laughs> had to pay uh, licensing fees to do? Yeah, I guess we're or? living in a world where you know Sylvester Cat and Foghorn Leghorn and everyone yeah, is yeah. a parody yeah. voice and Chief Wiggum and yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, so the thing now, the thing about thanks a lot, Mad Magazine. <laughs> the thing about Halloween, though, I just mean for uh, for firing me two years ago. Oh, okay. That's all I'm talking about. Did they fire you? I thought they closed. Well. Yeah, it's uh, let's go. They closed. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, uh, that was the reason. Yeah. Okay. Technically, they still exist, just showing re- reruns, you know, reprints. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. Huh? It just made for a better joke. Me saying that they fired me though. Right? <laughs> well, I just felt bad. I just thought, well, no, I didn't no, realize no, it was. You know. Okay. Hmm. All right. Screw them then. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, they're all great. They were as well. Okay, go ahead. So the thing about Halloween. So there's kind of two. Like I, I have several Halloween compilations believe it or not i have one that's a three cd compilation of halloween songs but here's the thing halloween is not a holiday halloween is a candy collection day with horror elements that we've we've grafted onto it over time because it's with costumes right scary costumes but it's not like like i was watching when i went to see dune when i went to see a few movies there was like an ad for like a live theater production of some sort of quote-unquote scary play like a halloween based play and i can't remember what it's called boo i think it's called boo oh i know what you're talking about and yeah, it has yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. actors in the costume big boo, yeah the big boo okay and in the in the ad it says it's all about or finding the true spirit of halloween and i'm like what is this well there's true? more than one there's a lot of ghosts yeah that's right there's a lot of ghosts going on but but this, the idea of this is that there's some sort of like ethos like like the true spirit of christmas the idea of giving and stuff like that, right? That's okay. what, you know, we there is like a, a spirit of Christmas. We recognize that. We mean, we know what we mean when we say that. Family, gift giving, a season of goodwill t- towards man, blah blah blah. All those ideas. Halloween doesn't have those things. Like, there's no effing spirit of Halloween. That's that's the good part about it. No one walks around and says, you know, like, you know, Happy Halloween to you, or, or you know, like that's not. It's it's just a day that when you're a kid, it's the awesomest day mm-hmm. that you'll ever experience because you get to take a pillowcase and walk around the neighborhood and people put candy in your pillowcase and holy fuck this is amazing i can't believe it and i'm six years old and i said holy fuck this is what it means mm-hmm. right because your costume was a swearing person <laughs> and so you 
that's Halloween. Like, there's nothing else about it. Like, all the rest of it is just things that people slap onto it because they're just trying to sell you junk. Whether it's monster movies okay. or monster movies exist all year. You can go all year long and see horror movies. Okay. There's no, like, specific time of year. No one's going to release Hallmark Christmas romance movies. They're not going to show them in, in August. Well, they probably do nowadays because it's insane. The market's insane. But you know what I mean, right? Like, we have our time of year for, for Chris. Like, we don't see, we don't see, uh, it's, it's a Charlie Brown Christmas in July. They don't do that. They don't show it in August. They show it at Christmas. Right. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer comes out at Christmas. There are specific things about that time of the year that make it that time of the year. Okay. There's nothing about Halloween that's specific to, to that time of the year. I guess pumpkins. I guess that's it, you know, but. Pumpkins can grow. I'll I'll go I'll go for uh, like a one minute rant on this then, sure. and then I'll get I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, t- I'll hand it back over to you. Sure, sure. I mean, reason for Christmas is because it's the darkest time of the year, and so we need something there, or we'll go nuts. Yeah, yeah. And so we're gonna have like the most family, the most light, the most love that you could possibly get because it's so fucking dark. This is the darkest time of the year. You just go crackers. And I think like with Halloween, it's like it's the time where everything's starting to die. And, you know, it, it could get depressing because yeah. it's like, oh, all the trees are dying. Everything's dying. Everything's sure, sure. dying and everything's... Uh, and you think of mortality and you think of this. It's like, well, let's lean into that. Let's make mortality fun. And let's think about ghosts. Yeah. And let's think about zombies. And let's think about what happens after the spooky. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, we can't get fresh things anymore. Oh, my gosh. It's like we used to be able to get fruit a second ago. Oh, <laughs> we like candy. Well, yeah, I like candy. Yeah. That's just oh, fine. I love candy. Yeah, it's all just like, you know, what's the time of the year? What's the downside to the time of the year? Yeah. What's the holiday that will fight that time of the year? Which is why in July, you basically don't need anything. <laughs> you know, it's just like, let's Dude, blow stuff up in the sky. Just days off. That's all go. you need. Hello. Hey, dum-dums. Hey, <laughs> look, it's our old friend. The, the, Nina Matsumoto just dropped by. The third dragon. Hello, Hello. Nina. Okay, thank you. Oh, We're okay. talking about uh, music stuff and the true meaning of Halloween. Oh, that sounds very deep and engaging. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to sound sarcastic. <laughs> okay. I'm um, trying to hype it up. <laughs> yes. We'll continue with our little thing. Thanks a lot. Right. But it is nice to see you. Feel free to start the pizza without us. We'll be, we'll be there in a tick. you got to listen to five songs. Okay. <laughs> and then read a bunch of letters. Yeah, and then read some letters. Okay, all right, we're going to do this. Okay, here we go. This. So I was just going to say, so so when you... So there's not, like, really that many specific, like, Halloween songs. Like, when you look at, like, the songs that are really, like, Halloween-y, yeah. a lot of them are from the 50s. And the, reason, and the reason is it's not that they, like, loved Halloween. It's just that at that time... Monster movies were big, like sure. drive-in theaters, UFO, like all that sci- like science fiction of that time, like you know, B movie junk was really popular. Yeah, and and rockabilly music and stuff like that was like the also junk. It was a trash collector of that of that time. So they sang about fast cars, they sang about scary, you know, rocking monsters. You know, whether it's a werewolf, whether it's you know, flying saucers, whatever. All that stuff is part of that musical genre. Sure, you know, so a lot of those these songs from that time period are not Halloween related. They're just scary monster related because that was cool. Monsters were cool. And this is fun to sing about. Let's sing about Frankenstein's monster. Let's sing about, you know, my girlfriend's a witch. Let's sing about that stuff. It's fun, right? Well, have fun with this. And so that, that's what it's about. Like there's a song by the Sonics, you know, uh, the witch just saying his girlfriend's a witch. Is she a witch or is she something else? That's kind of like a witch, Uh you know, but that's, you know, that's what they were, you know, that's, that's where these things come from. So 
you're kind of like winnowing through this when you're looking for Halloween songs. You're like, is this like a Halloween song? Or is this a song where someone's just singing because it's fun to sing about being a rockin' werewolf? Because werewolves are cool. And it's even cooler if your werewolf is wearing, you know, it has a, you know, DA, it has a, you yeah. know, a rockabilly haircut, sunglasses, and it's playing an electric guitar. That's the coolest werewolf, right? So. Well, unless Wolfman Jack's around, in which case, yeah. But Werewolf Jack is part of that. That's why he's Werewolf Jack. Wolfman Jack. Or sorry, Wolf, sorry, Wolfman Jack is part of that. Werewolf Jack was a Canadian knockoff. <laughs> I know there I am, the Werewolf Jack. Uh, that is J-A-C, the end. That is uh, C-Q-U-E-S, Werewolf Jack. So I, I listening to the songs, I, I had a very wide purview. I couldn't be really super laser focused sure. on, I had to say Halloween. I just, I didn't want to do that. So most of these songs are like kind of based in like the fun elements of Halloween and, or, or just like, you know, goofiness of the novelty goofiness of a particular time. So, uh, the first song is by a guy named Teddy Durant, who, um, is, was kind of like a, one of those sort of kind of like, um, Another guy, uh, his name, uh, Ed Burns, Ed Cookie Burns. Okay. You know, it's sort of like a, a de- designated hip guy, hip dude, right? So, so, uh, so what we're going to get here is kind of like a song, but it's more like, it's more like a monologue by a, like a, by a, by a hipster of the, of the, of the late, early sixties, you know? So kind of like your Ed Cookie Burns or whatever. This is what we're getting here. So this is, uh, the Beast of Sunset Strip. Okay. From 1965. Uh, and this was uh, put on by that well-known record label, Impression Records. <laughs> Shrug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this is Teddy Durant, The Beast of Sunset Strip. Let us give it a listen, everyone. Here we go. Now listen, you tracks, here's my skull and bone pack. There's a mean old monster down from Las Vegas track. He's flipped his lid, hangs in a cave, and sleeps in a coffin, your Dracula's grave. He's mean, ornery, mad and rough, always misbehaves and dips chocolate snuff. Don't meddle with this, cause he do forget it. Just hop in your woody and split, man, split it. He's the beast of Sunset Strip. Dig man, let's take him on a trip. So my fellows, grab your chain. Take that monster down Hollywood Lane. This wolf man takes his bath inside a grave over Zombie Hill, always making for the kill. For a weekend blast, this cat's the worst. Racing John, Paul, George, and Ringo in a super purse. But the beast got beat and he howled and cried. So if he says he won, you know he lied. Now kittens and cats, if you're ever out on Sunset Strip, sidewalk surfing or just taking a trip, souping a woody or a cute 409, you see a monster only one of a kind, a big fat tummy full of tiger meat, pushing a cement mix and dragging his feet. Don't intervene, don't be no fool. Man, don't carry this beast blue is cool. He's the beast of Sunset Strip. Some bombing floats, eats corpse meat, chases chicks, likes blondes, and has big bad feet. He plays the bongo with a wadkusy beat, and does the jerk and the swim fight on the street. Now, Cragsters, like, take my advice. Don't dig a show, cause it's not worth the price. Don't stop for water, oil, or gas. Keep right on moving, right on past. 
Was uh, impression record. So, what was your first impression of that? It's fun. That was a fun <laughs> yeah, it's song. It's a fun song, yeah. He's just doing that really deep. Good enough. Good enough. It's kind yeah, of fun. It was... I like the. You know what's having fun? Who knows who's having fun in that song though? The drummer. That guy is really playing, and I have a feeling that it's Hell Blaine, who was the session drummer of the of that era, and was a really good drummer. And you could hear in that song that he's just having the time of his life drumming away to that song. Cool. And I also like the uh, female backup singers as well. They really Yeah. No, I, did, I enjoyed that one. That was a nice start to things. Yeah. Yeah. Can you top it though? Can I top it? Well, I don't know if I can top it cuz I didn't really organize this in any topping no, sort of way. But, all right, very good. but uh, the next one we're going to listen to is The Ghouls. Yeah. The Ghouls with a song. You know what? Let I'm me not ask gonna... you, did The Ghouls form just for this song? Did the ghouls even exist? Is the oh, question. Oh, let's go. let's go. This is well, from. Their... I want a ghoul just like the ghoul that married dear old dad. <laughs> this, this is a is... joke that would work back then. <laughs> this is well, my dad would say it in much the same way. I lo- I love the little anyway. So this is the little old lady from Transylvania. Get it, everyone. This is from their album Dracula's Deuce from 1964. <laughs> Made a lot different than in those days. Uh, don't make those faces. Uh, Dracula's Deuce for 1964. Here we go. The Little Old Lady from Transylvania. This is The Ghouls. It's the little old lady from Transylvania. I'm the little old lady from Transylvania. I'm known from London to Pennsylvania. I drive dirt tracks and through the mud. I guess you might say racing's in my blood. It's the little old lady from Transylvania. I can shut down Bella and Boris too. My mill fuel injected with witch's brew. My car's painted bright poison apple red With pipes loud enough to wake up the dead It's a little old lady from Transylvania Oh my, I drive real fast and I'm really hip I'm the sweetheart of the vampire crypt When the moon is full I go kind of heady Making trial runs through the cemetery Oh my, I'm too much I'm the little old lady from Transylvania I'm known from London to Pennsylvania I drive dirt tracks and through the mud I guess you might say racing's in my blood Dying to meet up with that little old winemaker. I'll just shut him down. He thinks he's too much. My witch's brew. My poison apple red candy colored car. He's nothing. All right, and we're back. No. Did not like it? I'm, it's not that I don't like it. Okay. Uh, this is a hat on a hat to me. It's just like. <laughs> The little old lady from Pasadena yeah. was already a novelty song. It's already a novelty so song. So it's like sure. doing a parody of yeah. a parody. Sure, sure, sure. It's like, you know, if you're doing a parody of Monster Mash, yeah. no, it's already 
its own thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I and don't. So, that's fine to do parody of Monster Mash because it doesn't exist in any other form. You know, Pasadena, yeah. Transylvania. I get it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like when people do the, you know, uh, Transylvania six five oh oh oh. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. If they sound similar, it's fine. Sure. Uh, but I'm gonna go no for me on that okay, one. Just, I, I have know. no problem with. It. I enjoy it. I enjoy it because I really love. I really love exploitation music. I love the idea of it. I love the the this the the uh, we mentioned before the joie de vivre of the people who like are like, hey, this is fun and we can make money. Let's invent a band. We'll invent a Halloween band. We'll yeah. call them the Ghouls. We'll do a bunch of covers sure, sure. of of you know Hot Rod songs. Yeah, and people are going to buy this. They're going to love it because it's just goofy. It's playing into the famous monsters of Movie Land. You know, it's playing into into Revel mo- car models. Sure, it's playing into uh, the music of this time, the surf music, the Hot Rod music of this time. This song was was uh, co well, Little Lady from Pasadena was co written by Jan Berry, who was uh, one half of Jan and Dean, as well as Roger Christian. Who was a uh, LA DJ, a well-known LA DJ, who wrote with Brian Wilson, wrote a bunch of Hot Rod songs with Brian Wilson. Okay. And Brian Wilson said, "You know what? Doesn't have a long life. Surfing songs. So let's think of other things we can do." And and he went, "You know what? The kids are also digging Hot Rod. So we'll do a bunch of Hot Rod songs." So they did Little Deuce Coop and Four O Nine and all those kind of songs. There's a whole album full of them. So he, Cherry Coop, you know, all that stuff. Here's what I'm gonna do. Sure. It's like okay, so. Uh, I think the missed opportunity here sure. is basically any song that has the word girl in it. Yeah. If you want to play this card, yeah. ghoul. You can you can do it that way, right? You've already you've like <laughs> sure. but unfortunately you called yourself the ghouls. Yeah. So you can't do that. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, surfer girl, surfer ghoul. Yeah. You know, and then you do a nice little ballad about a surfer ghoul who's like going around but sure, she's sure, also sure. eating corpses. Yeah. And it's like, how can I, you know, show you to my friends? But yeah. I love you, sur- surfer ghoul. Sure. And you only come out, you know, at night. And so that's not a time for surfing. Love it. Uh, yeah, Love there you it. go. I mean, that's missed opportunity. <laughs> so, so this song was written. This version of the song was written by Roger Christian and Gary Usher, who okay. we mentioned before. Gary Usher was a young guy. He actually was a neighbor of Brian Wilson, and wrote uh, with Brian Wilson for a while before he pissed off Brian Wilson's dad, which wasn't hard to do, and got fired from from working with Brian Wilson. But he just went off and did his own thing anyway. And of course, at that time, there was the surfing scene. So he invented surf groups, would create pretend surf groups, write songs for them. They would be released. He did this with the Hot Rod songs as well. He he created the Hondells, you know, that covered the Beach Boy song Little Honda. He just that's what he that's what was his thing, right? It was just sort of like exploitation music. This is popular. We can pump it out and make money. So what the heck? It's fun. There you go. And so that's what this whole group was. And so I think I just think it's great. Anyway. All right, so let's go a little more modern. Okay. This is uh, Dave Edmonds from his 1979 album, uh, Repeat When Necessary. Oh, okay. Um, and so this was Dave Edmonds with basically Nick Lowe and Dave Edmonds oh. were in a group together called Rockpile. Rockpile made one album. Well, it made officially one album. It actually made five albums. But because of. Explain. Uh, Nick Lowe was signed to one record label, Dave Edmonds was signed to a different record label. And because they were both sort of independent record labels, Niccolo was signed to Jake Riviera, not a real name, but this British guy, British manager's label, uh, I think called Radar Records at that time. He was signed to that label. Dave Edmund was signed to the Led Zeppelin's uh, boutique label, Swan Song. Okay. And so in both cases, neither manager could resist waving their penises around. And so there could never come to an agreement to allow the two artists to work together. So they could never have an album where the two of them appeared on the album. Oh, but they okay. did 
actually play as a band on each other's albums. So they had a group called Rockpile, and they would both produce and perform on each other's records. And so they did that for Nick Lowe's albums. Um, uh, well, in England, it was called uh, The Jesus of Cool. Here in North America, it was called Pure Pop for Now People. Mm. So that album and then Labor of Lust, where Cruel to Be Kind came from, were both rock pile albums. And then for Dave Edmonds, Repeat When Necessary, and oh, the other one, I think had four uh, tracks on wax. Okay. Were both rock pile albums in all but name. And then they did one album, Seconds of Pleasure, as rock pile. And then the whole thing kind of broke, broke apart on, on it, you know, as bands tend to do after a while. Anyway. So, so on this album is a song, which I kind of, I kind of hesitated about including this because I had actually other plans for it, but then I thought, what the heck? It mentions a monster. <laughs> it's a little more modern than, you know, and sort of, sort of fun in that way. So let's, let's listen to Dave Edmund. This is from, like I say, repeat from, from, uh, when necessary, written by the guitar player from, from Rockpile, Billy Bremner. Okay. This is the creature from the Black Lagoon. Let's give it a listen, everybody. Mm-hmm.
All right, and we're back. And I gotta, guess I got to ask, is this going to no or a yes? No, I like that one. You know what's interesting is like uh, I got no setup to any of these when you sent them to me. Yeah. So I don't know what era they're from yeah, or what's yeah, going on. Yeah. No, I did not I did enjoy that one. I'm uh, Listen, I know people that love the creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh-huh. So whenever when I was hearing this, I was thinking of those people. <laughs> sure. And I've never got him. I've never understood the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. I don't get why... He's good. He's basically to me. You know, talking about you're having. I've never seen the movies, so yeah, they're fine. Like yeah. they're very technically they're fine and they're impressive. And you're thinking there's a guy in a suit, yeah, doing some swimming underwater. That's yeah. that's bad. Yeah. Uh, but you know, as I said, look, it's already the Black Lagoon. Why are you swimming <laughs> in it, you fool? I don't. You know, are they swimming you... in the movie? I don't. I don't know what happens in the movie. There's some women. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are they looking for the creature, or are they just there investigating something? You know what? I've seen three of these movies. I could not flip and tell you. <laughs> And I've seen them in 3D as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we've gotten off topic with Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> uh, okay. I th- whenever I see like him standing there and he's like next to Dracula and the Wolfman and the uh, Frankenstein monster and the mummy and then you see Creature from the Black Lagoon, I just think, well, there's Aquaman. There's uh, the filler <laughs> character that's there. We don't need him standing yeah. next to Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. But uh, that's just me. But the song, catchy. Liked it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. But it made me think of uh, people I know that really like that movie a lot. <laughs> a lot. They do a lot of art about it. And it's beautiful art. I like their art more than I like the movie. All right. So we had hipster, kind of a hipster a lounge thing for the first song. Sure. We had, uh, we had. Um, 1950s. We had, yeah, surfing. Car, we had surfing, surfing music. Car, we had surfing music. With 60s surfing music. With a music. parody, like a direct parody. Sure. And then, and then we had uh, some power pop from the late 70s. Right. Time for a dirge. Time for some jazz. Oh, jazz. Okay. Time for good. some jazz. So this is uh, a group called Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross. Um, Dave Lambert, John Hendricks, and Annie Ross. All great by themselves jazz singers. They combined together. What they, what they did was something called vocalese, which was a, is a jazz singing where you take a group, say you take a saxophone solo, say you take like a John K- Train, John Train, John Coltrane tax, uh, tax. Man, I'm falling apart here. Uh, pizza, must take be, a John, pizza must be in the air. You take John Coltrane's tax returns. You take then a John. You write a song based on them. <laughs> you take a John Coltrane. That's that's not vocalese though. What would that, what would that be? Uh, fucking I around. On the <laughs> no, I don't know what to call it. I was just trying to think of a good name for it. Tax scatting. Tax scatting. There you go. Um, so no, so so they would take like a saxophone solo, let's say, and they would add words to it and sing that sax solo as oh, nice. as a song. And so that was that was a, kind of a jazz thing at the time. And so this song is uh, written by Dave Lambert. It's called Halloween Spooks. Where each character plays, each of the singers plays a character. There's a ghost, there's a witch, there's a whatever, mm-hmm. goblin. Uh, so this is, um, from their album, The Way Out Voices of Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross. This came out in 1960. So let's give a listen to Halloween Spooks. Children could see, but I can't find them for the life of me. And there's Halloween spooks outside my window pane. <laughs> 
find a tree. I wish that the children could see, but I can't find them for the life of me. And there's Halloween spooks outside my window. Trick or treat. And we're back. Yeah, I like that one. That was fun. It's I did, fun. I did dishes while I was playing. Okay, one. okay. Or yeah. a couple of dishes. Sure. But yeah, you're right. It's not yeah. long. It's not long. It's just fun. A little short little Does it wear of... out its welcome? Exactly. Let me say this to novelty songs. Yeah. That's a good uh, That's good a good thing. Go. Exactly. You don't want to be long. You don't want to be a seven minute long novelty yeah, song. Yeah, if you see a, a song, you're like, ugh, seven minutes. <laughs> like, there's just, forget it. This is, and I can't be Stairway to Heaven and funny. No Stairway to Hell. Stairway to Hell. There you go. There's oh, and you sing the whole song about how you're stuck dancing with someone for longer than you want, and you're on the stairway <laughs> to hell. There you go. There's your song. There's your song, everyone. All right, let's finish this off. Oh, I want to write that song. All right, good. Oh, you want to write it right now? No, I'm fine. <laughs> you asked her there to dance. You thought you had a chance, but now you're on a stairway to hell. There's you're a, way too there's close. a lady <laughs> who knows he dance. His dance is all elbows, <laughs> and she's whatever she's doing, descending a. And you're wondering where that smell came from. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. Oh, he sound like a wolf man. Mm. Are you the wolf man? You know, legally, I, I can't tell you. <laughs> well, this is person doesn't exist. Okay. But let's pretend he's a real person. His name is Round Robin. Round Robin. And this song is I'm the Wolf Man. It came out in 1965, actually written by a guy named Baker Knight, who was a popular writer at the time, wrote for Frank Sinatra, wrote for various groups. Uh, Ricky, Ricky Nelson wrote, wrote uh, Lonesome Town for Ricky Nelson. Mm, okay. Um, but yeah, he wrote the song, probably performed it under the nom de tune Round Robin. But let's give a listen to uh, I'm the Wolf Man. Here we go. Take it. 
so yeah, that's just a kind of a fun rocking yeah. song that's just kind of riffing. I wouldn't say it's Halloween, but it does talk about. Would this get played on the radio at all, or would it just be something people would have on their record collection? Uh, to to you know, I think it would probably have been too. It wasn't like a big major label or anything. It might have been like a regional right. hit. There is uh, footage of him singing it on American Bandstand. Oh, or someone saying their their name is Ron Rum. They're lip syncing it on American Bandstand. So they're probably just like a, a guy who's hired just to pretend would to be. Would these be the like, uh, say, brought up by say a Doctor Demento? Or something like that. Or are they oh, funny? Sure. Yeah, like the, sure. the yeah, novelty yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of these songs would definitely fall in that. I mean, these are these are like novelty songs of that time period. Would he I mean? was he like um like one of the only guys though playing a bunch of novelty songs in a row? Doctor Demento? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean yeah, I mean I mean how much how many like besides I mean, there was like a novelty song craze for whatever in the early like the early seventies. Like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, you know, I had goofy grades right. at home. And that was a very formative album for me, for whatever reason. Like, all of the major kind of music I love is on that album. Yeah. I don't mean, like, novelty songs. I just mean, like, it's just full of, like, this kind of off, like, weird songs. Yeah. Like, it has the George Baker selection doing Little Green Bag, you know. Where did you next hear that? On the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack. But there you go. That's It's a novelty song, but it's it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, I just kind of was wondering, where was the home for these songs? Yeah. Like, was it just people would have the albums you and, were they, hoping, and they'd be a track yeah. that they would listen to? You were just hoping that this would catch on, that okay. you would have the next Purple People Eater. All right. Because that song sold like crazy. Or you'd have the next Chipmunk song, because that song right. sold like crazy. Like, you write a song like the Chipmunk song, you are, for life, okay. You're always going to have money in the, in the bank, mm-hmm. because that song is always going to... You're still gonna, yelling at your Chipmunks. <laughs> you're still yelling at your Chipmunks. He also did The Witch Doctor, the same guy who did uh, oh. Ross Bagdasarian. It's a real name. He's performed under David Seville. He's also in Rear Window. He plays the uh, composer who's up in the right hand's apartment with his piano. That is very good trivia. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, you. <laughs> Thanks. So there, everyone. That's our top five Halloween songs for this episode. Hope you enjoyed them. Hope they put you in the spirit of spookiness. Now, I'm going to go directly to our uh, letters because we've got pizza upstairs. We've already had Nina come on down and just riding us about, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I get the dum-dums thing now. It's She's the gazoo. Ah, I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's why she... Old shows. You, <laughs> you forgot your own. Yeah, I was like, that's, that was funny that she called us dum-dums. I wonder what that was about. <laughs> um, okay. Just, Nina, I got it. So I got next, it. I, I eventually did. We asked uh, what your schooling was last week. Uh, what was what's the scariest monster? I should have said if it isn't the great dragoo, but anyway, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, what's the scariest monster? What are you dressing as for Halloween? Here we go. Here we go. Can I get through this in ten minutes? Ten letters in ten minutes. Can I do it? Nope. Not if I keep singing this song. Because this song's filling time. Because we're going to get into a big discussion about one of our, one of our letters. This is a big discussion. We're not gonna have pizza. Jonathan Bampton <laughs> writes, "Who is the scariest monster? The scariest monsters are probably those ghouls and nuns habits." In front of the bulldozers in the Ashes to Ashes video clip, uh, or hmm. video, I suppose. The song is coincidentally on the album entitled Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Hmm. Also a scary version of the uh, David Boy Clown is in, of course, uh, the TV series Ashes to Ashes, which is not as good as Life on Mars, but the clown is very creepy in Okay. That. I never finished that, that show. Well, then that may be for the best. Uh, they reveal everything. And I was like, I don't know if I want that revealed. Yeah. No, uh, what are you dressing as uh, this Halloween? Halloween as a holiday has really been pushed by retailers in Australia over the past few years. Confectionery brands are redesigning their packaging to have the word spooky written on them. 
and there is a piss poor attempt at fake spider webs at the post office. <laughs> you think they're fake, but maybe people are just lazy and aren't cleaning up the spider webs. We've been hearing about Halloween's advent on our shores for years, but I've still never in my life had kids knocking on my door to trick or treat. I think younger millennials dress up uh, when they head out into the city to drink. British sneakers, is Halloween firmly entrenched over there? Good question. That is a good question of the week. Is Halloween in your (laughs) neck of the woods, uh, people that are in Scotland, people that are in England, people that are in America, and how big a deal is Halloween? That's that's my second question. Okay. Uh, Is it there and is it big? Those are my questions. Uh, I'd love to go as a piece of coal in honor of our numbskull prime minister who once uh, brought one into parliament as a prop. Yeah, I probably got it from Santa the year before. Am I right? Do you guys do that? Do you get coal from Santa? I don't know. Uh, but alas, I'd probably be mistaken for it. Probably be mistaken for poo. Yeah. The most scariest thing this month is the prospect of our country not even agreeing to zero uh, net zero emissions by 2050, when the conversation at Glasgow is discussing 2030 commitments. Yeah, global uh, climate change. That is scary. You're not wrong. Uh, our friend Louise. Yay! It's a real show. Louise is here. Yay. Uh, I have a bachelor because we. Asked By the way, about, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Yes, I have a. If I don't say thank you at the end of your letters, it's just because I'm thinking of pizza and thinking that we're going to have a big discussion at the end of this. <laughs> uh, I have a bachelor of arts, says Louise, uh, degree, but I was never interested in any subject enough to go for a master's. However, I enjoy learning about new things in smaller doses. After graduating, I took a night school course in subjects like sculpture, life drawing, Italian, and jazz choir. These days, you can find lectures and educational videos on almost any subject on the internet for free. And if you don't like the presenter, you can switch to another video. And you aren't out a course fee. This is true. Though I did pay for one of those master class things, and I'm still, I am still enjoying those. Uh, the creatures in the, I'm saying that, not Louise. The creatures in the <laughs> sci-fi movie Black, uh, Pitch Black uh, were really scary to me. I guess uh, it was because you can't see them flying at you in the dark. Also, they attack in a pack, so if one doesn't get you, another one will. And you can't reason with them. It's nothing personal. They're just following their instincts to eat you. Happy Halloween, <laughs> sneaker friends. Uh, Thanks, Louise. So I just want to say my problem with those creatures is that it's too fast. There's no like build up to, to them. They just kind of come in. Just, it, it all starts happening. There's no like creeping sense of dread or anything, hmm. which I need. That's what I need from a horror film. Go on. Pitch Black, which then later into, led into, what was it? The Something of Riddick? The, yeah. Uh, but it was also a video game uh, that was very good, actually. It was a very good uh, video game. Speaking the Chronicles of, of Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, Louise continues with a poem. Into the pan, dice bulbs did slide. The onions sizzled as they fried. Mine eyes do burn in water, cried the Lady of Shalott. There we go. Louise appreciated my little dad joke in the last episode, even if Ian groaned audibly. Yeah. Mail it to the Food Network, Dave. Um, <laughs> Edward Dragansky writes. Yes. Uh, I graduated from the University of North Texas in December of 1989 with a Bachelor's of Arts, Design and Advertising. Other than keeping up with the new technology I use for designing, I can't really see myself going back at, for any further degrees. I got lucky about five years into Dr. Pepper. They mentioned, hey, mentioned Dr. Pepper. Take a drink. Yay! Uh, when they decided to pull the trigger and convert uh, the creative to digital. I got all my training for free from professionals they brought in to train us on the Macs, and I'm sure I saved a sizable amount getting all that free training on Dr. Pepper's dime. <laughs> Back when I was at the University of North Texas, I was uh, 
I was about a semester and some summer classes away from being done when they offered an illustration degree. And I took uh, this to my counselor, who was also one of my professors. When I asked him about switching to the illustration degree, he told me to shut the door to his office. He said, you didn't hear this from me, but do whatever you can to get the hell out of here. And your professional degree doesn't mean shit. You could drive up to the studio for an interview on a loud Harley, tattooed from head to toe with a bone in your nose, with no degree. If you're good at design, met deadlines, and showed up on time, any studio wouldn't give a damn about what your education is. On top of that, you'll be here for an additional semester at least if you change over to that degree. Now, open my door. (laughs) I was glad he told me that. Best advice I ever had in college, and again, hopefully saved me a sizable amount of time and money. Yeah. But when he opened that door, there was nothing outside. <gasps> he found out he had died and was in the afterlife. Presently, I think I need a semester or a workshop that applies to my job. If I think I do, I write up a request and I can attend it at the expense of my employer. That's pretty good. Just like any class, there are good ones and not so good ones. But you never really know until you're right in the middle of it. true. And those damn universal monsters haunted me as a kid. For some reason, when I was little and in bed, I imagined uh, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, and the werewolf might come crashing through my bedroom window. I'm noticing one is missing from that group. Uh, It seemed like they were always jumping through windows in those old movies, and they terrified me, even though I loved watching them. (laughs) Yeah, no creature. I don't see any creature in the locked lagoon jumping through the windows. Uh, Aquaman. Uh, A few years later, and we discussed this a few shows back, the Ray Harryhausen stop-motion creatures from Sinbad and Jason and the Argonauts creep me out to no end. Hmm. The Medusa and some creature in a cage in one of the films supplied me with plenty of nightmare fuel as a kid. And my costume is the same as it's been in years past. An overworked, underpaid art director. <laughs> if anything, I nailed it this year. <laughs> and every year. That's great. And uh, as a note to Crystal, I'm afraid I'm the guy in the library ripping out and drawing uh, on, on the pages of books and magazines. I'm only a few steps away from Harpo shoveling books into a roaring fire like he did in Horse Feathers. Oh, well, yeah, you want to start a fight with Crystal? That is your funeral. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Uh, Regis writes, Hi, always been afraid of werewolves. Why? I don't know. Thriller scares the <laughs> shit out of me. Or was it just Michael Jackson? Well, one of those was a real threat. Obsession number four. Remember my falling life. Chapter one. Studies. Schooling reminds me of, by the way, Regis's letters uh, almost work as poetry. So we're just letting you know that off the top. Uh, I, uh, so here we go. Uh, schooling reminds me of a whole lot of love lyrics. So it's a bit uncomfortable. So studies. One thing. So you, been... need, you need schooling and you ain't fooling? There you are. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, you got the reference. So studies, <laughs> one thing I miserably failed uh, to fail. I roughly uh, am going to find equivalent grades in your, at least the American school, study system. I started in second grade. Humming and watching birds and whatever was on the other side of the window. For instance, clouds are pretty fascinating and of higher interest. Literally. I was a little different. I would tuck a book into my desk mm-hmm. and then pull it out onto my lap and read so the teacher couldn't see the book. Mm. They did caught on to the fact that I was staring at my lap an awful lot, though. Well, you know what I say. Yeah. You know, why? Uh, if you don't want us to look at clouds, don't make them so pornographic. Am I right? <laughs> And why so many uh, of my mother? That's what I want to know. Huh? I started in, uh, in the fourth grade. I was a class timer for tests because uh, whenever I had finished, the test was over. Those other <laughs> lucky bastards got extra time because of me. 
We took the fifth grade. Eighth grade. I attended specialized classes with extra hours of French, math, and I think some other boring stuff, and as a result, got better and more stable grades. What happened in ninth grade? He's going to tell us. In ninth grade, I went to live with my father and, with some strings pulled, entered the uh, Lycée uh, Condorcet. I'm probably saying that wrong. Lycée. Sure. Uh, one of the top ten best high schools of Paris. I think uh, in the ninth or tenth uh, at this time. The principal did not quite enjoy the joke. <laughs> well done. Uh, my grade fell back uh, directly down, so I retook ninth grade. It's around this time I tried to get uh, in command of my own failure. I wanted to stop school and become a photographer, but my father didn't. Or go to, uh, to a short uh, technical training and become a tractor mechanic. He doesn't like this idea either. Oh, the tractor stuff. Yeah, that, that's foreshadowing. At 11th grade, the principal tried to eject me. But with the help of some teachers, I won my trial and stayed into the 12th grade and ba- barely got my uh, baccalaureate. Uh, the French uh, must-have diploma to leave school and went to fetch a real diploma uh, to then have a successful life and career in a suit in some big company and get some money, or as uh, what I've been told. Tried to enter an agricultural private school, but I failed. So I ended in university for an associate's degree in biology uh, when I leave midterm in the middle of an exam. I oh then God. decided oh to go to a technical... I want to see Wes Anderson direct this. <laughs> I then decided to uh, go to a technical associate's degree in computer science uh, in a university institute of technology, promising myself to stop after those two years, get a job with a salary to buy an Audi 80. I've got big dreams in those days. But I made an internship into a French National Research Institute laboratory. And let me tell you, intelligent people are tight. And it seems uh, they do or have done studies, all of them. Shit. So against my will, I asked uh, the right to pursue my studies. This particular technical curriculum is not meant to allow you to continue studying, but rather to go work as a technician in one of the companies that finance the school, and it's a public one, and re-enter the university I had left two years ago for a bachelor's degree and a master in computer science. At the end of which, I decided it was really enough. No more school studies for me. I'm done. I quit. I'm through. Goodbye. But during my internship for my Master One, my tutor said to me, this diploma or your associate's degree is the same. But if you continue to Master Two degree, you will hit the jackpot. Big companies, suits and some real dough, and maybe even women. It's <laughs> an odd thing That's for a, a tutor to say. Yeah, very, wow. It feels like it's the opposite advice Edward got. He wanted to uh, motivate. Uh, no, she did not say the last part. Ah, there oh, you go. Right, ah, they right, pulled the rug right. out from under us. Oh. Always read ahead. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the trick. So got, I did the Master me. Two degree in computer science. I know. What a lack of free will. I told you. A complete failure. <laughs> anyway, my dressing for Halloween. Black like every other day. Why'd you ask? <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I watched uh, the Jarmusch uh, Dead Don't Die. Oh, yeah. Uh, the thought that came to me right away after the first five minutes between Bill Murray and Adam Driver is uh, Dead Panda Alley, or should I say <laughs> Boulevard? It's like he wanted to mix Romero and a caricature of existential European movie genre with a uh, Takeshi uh, Dead or Alive touch for the big unbelievable twist at the end and some Tarantino references for good measure. But he kind of ruined the sympathetic weirdness off all of this mess by not resisting to make a too-long plot exposition at the end. And in case you did not catch the obvious, in-your-face political critique of our society, 
Yes, we know since the Romero second movie that all zombie movies are critics of uh, our Occidental society. Dave agreed with you earlier in this episode. <laughs> and we even got uh, 11 seasons of Walking Dead for those who need some catch-up. Sheesh! Sneakers don't die! It's a statement and an order. <laughs> Thank you. Our friend Laurel uh, writes, Hello, Laurel Robertson writes, Hello, David. Hello, Ian. Hello, Sneakers. Hello, Laurel. Hello, Laurel. I hope all of you are well. Pretty much, yes. Uh, these are my three quick answers to the questions of the week. Thank you, Laurel. We have pizza, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Number one, I have only gone as far with former education as taking a few college classes, no degree. Ten years ago, I went back to school, enrolling in an intensive six-month massage therapy course. Not anything I'd ever have planned, but it changed my life and set me on a new path. Oh, that's great. Every two years, a massage therapist is required to renew licensing with uh, 24 uh, course hours of new education in the field. So I'm always learning and improving. That's fantastic. Uh, number two, the scariest monster for me in movies is Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. That mm. guy, wow. Just the thought of that uh, character <laughs> freaks me out. Mmm, friendo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, flip a coin. Chikunk. Yes, very much. Number three, I won't likely do a costume for this Halloween, but I will put on a hoppy Halloween t-shirt that glows in the dark when I accompany my daughter and her kids around the neighborhoods. Aw, I am a pretty fun grandma. Really? Now, ciao, everyone. I'm off to make use of my massage skills. Uh, Edward Dragansky says he would he could really use a massage. Me too. I'm going away this weekend to a, a spa, but unfortunately all their massage times were, were already taken, so... I'll just be sitting by the. I'll just be sitting in the hot springs reading a book, or sitting by the hot springs reading a book. Oh, that's nice. Uh, it's a hot spring named after your horse. Kind of. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if your horse is. That's just their complete name, or if it's short. Oh, uh, I know his name is only Harris. Okay. For Harris Hawk. Crystal writes. Oh, hey, Crystal. You were mentioned earlier. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, quite a bit of education under my belt. In addition to my degree, I have a number of certifications, including public library management and archive management. Hmm. My state library even sets standards for libraries, including required continuing education for all staff. I have to complete 25 hours of training a year. <whistles> Classic overachiever that I am, last year I completed 57 hours. Well, double for me <laughs> the scariest monster COVID-19 mm. not wrong and now you think it's dead and then it pops up at the end and you're mm. like I don't want a sequel no one wanted the sequel uh, I've been so focused on completing my son's Halloween costume I have failed to consider what I will wear here's my idea just some of his clothes he's not wearing them he's wearing his Halloween costume whatever he'd wear that night wear that go as your son that's my, that's my idea uh, make an unflattering caricature of him What's he going to do? Uh, I suppose I, I may pull a costume from the back of the closet and rewear an outfit. My son's school is allowing costumes on Friday if they are based on book characters. That's nice. Or if they depict jobs that children will want to have when they grow up. Okay. They are trying to avoid scary costumes. So no kids want to grow up to be a vampire, I guess. <laughs> oh, Dracula was a book. Frankenstein's monster was a book. Mm -hmm. Read on. Okay. Oh, fuck. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm treating this like a conversation. Uh, I like to read these cold. Uh, I see a flaw in their logic. Ah, yeah, yeah. Dracula and Frankenstein are already book characters. Yeah, you're right. All right, fine. We're going to do that? Okay, that's right. Also, every Stephen King, uh, you know, thing. No, that's right. Ah, I feel like quite the fool now. I guess I can't go, can't get, 
dress up as the the hat this year. You can't dress up as the hat? Is that the character's name from Doctor Sleep? Oh, okay. I thought you were talking like the cat in the hat, and one of the characters mm. in your mind was the hat. <laughs> anyway, I've got a few more things no. to do before his outfit is ready. Uh, so I'll probably be up late finishing painting and attaching things to this wheelchair for tomorrow. Oops. I'll share a picture to show you uh, how it turns out. Lovely. That'd be great. And please, Edward please do. rewrites, uh, e- writes again. Ian, I appreciate the update on Why the Last Man. I've read some online news, but I never know what to believe anymore. So it gets bogged down in opinion and advocacy. It was helpful to hear it from the source. Uh, I'm one step away from the source, but thank you. <laughs> I hope all the hard work uh, of bringing the show and its story will continue to be told. Fingers crossed. Sending all positivity to everyone involved, especially you and Pia. Please keep us posted. We'll do. The uh, final episode of the first season is uh, it's coming out this Monday. So uh, check that out. A lot of stuff goes down there. Uh, in that episode and then it is uh the hunt for a new network and uh if i know something i will let you know when i'm allowed to let you know what i know but i appreciate it p has got um a new version of the y graphic novel uh collection of the comic books coming out november 2nd uh that has the uh television um kind of image on the on the front so uh, if you're interested if you haven't read the book yet it's a worthwhile book to read, as well, by Brian K. Vaughan and Pia Guerra. And we have emails. I recommend that book. Thank That's you. One of my favorite You comics. were reading it before it was cool. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. Yes. Okay, so we did get we got an email, everyone. I appreciate emails. Uh, Richard Lewin wrote in. He wrote to our email address, which is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. And Richard says, well, his, his uh, subject is Mort Saul. And then, comma, questions. So he says, hi, top sneakers. I guess that's us. We're top yeah. sneakers. Oh, nice. I like it. Tip top sneakers. True. That's true as well. How sadly ironic it was for me to listen to you mention comedian, he puts in quotations, Mark Mortzall during last week's show in the context that no one thought him funny anymore. And then to read of his recent demise. Oh, I didn't know that he demised recently. Yep. Hmm. I'd like to share an experience I had with Mortzall comedy, which took place last year during the height of the pandemic. Like everybody, we were ensconced at home. While doing jigsaw puzzles, my wife and I also used the quarantine time to play some of our long, unheard record collection as a further way to tune out the outside world rather than binge-watch TV. That sounds rather healthy. That's me saying that, not Rich. Mm -hmm. We listened to comedy albums by Woody Allen, Bob Newhart, Nichols and May, Gallagher. Gallagher had albums? I guess if you enjoy hearing the sound of watermelons being struck, I guess that's... <laughs> the Marx Brothers, Smothers Brothers, Mel Brooks Brothers, and <laughs> Carl Reiner, and Mort Saul. I, I've added the Brooks Brothers. I'm sorry. No, Mel Brooks funny, and Carl Reiner. Uh, and Mort Saul. Rich sorry, says... I'm eating more uh, sour candy. That's fine. Rich says, alas and alack, much of his repartee, we agreed, was no longer relatable. However, he did tell one joke that made me laugh. One time, he found himself somewhere in the American Midwest on a tour, and he had some free time. So he got into a cab and asked the driver to take him, quote, to where the action is. He was taken to where they fish illegally. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, I listened to a Mort Saul album many years ago when I was younger, and uh, it was a lot of hi-fi jokes. And I was just kind of like, man, this is dated in a way... Like it's kind of a warning. It's not like not like build your act around cell phone jokes, for instance, because it's never it's just not going to last. You know, it's like having cell phones prominently in a movie. It, nothing dates it more than than that kind of technology. I remember we we went to uh, I don't know if you were part of this, but my uh, friend David Fine 
was uh, was with me. We were watching uh, a comedian do stand up, and was talking about going to the Seven Eleven. And it was like uh, talking about how on the stand they had a tr- transistor radio for sale, and then something else, and just like brushed by. It wasn't anything. It was just like they got this, they got that, they got that. And one of the things was transistor radio. And uh, and afterwards, uh, he said to uh, David, leaned over to me and went, transistor radio. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah. He, this is an old bit yeah, and he yeah. hasn't changed it. Yeah. He doesn't realize that part of the bit has gone bad. It's just <laughs> the rhythm. He's just used to the rhythm of the joke and doesn't realize it. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Uh, it often happens to uh, comedians. As Paul F. Tompkins says, nothing ages worse than comedy. I guess that's it. Nothing. For sure. Yeah. 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 All right. Let me just reopen my thingy so I can finish off. Uh, your questions and my answers. I have some college. Even when you don't graduate from a particular school, if you have formally attended, you can still correctly refer to that school as your alma mater. Mm. So there's that. Okay. That's good to know. Monsters that scare me are the ones that show up unexpectedly at a window looking in. Yeah, that, that is scary to me too. All hairy slobbering and being vicious. One year for Halloween, I shaved off my beard so I could dress as Harpo. Did you know... You can divide the whole world into one of three Stooges hairstyles. <laughs> I am becoming more Larry as the years pass. Regards, Rich Lewin. Thank you very much, Rich. Yeah, um, Mort Saul passed away recently. And so, you know, there were legitimately uh, a lot of uh, tributes, you know, uh, because, yeah, he, I mean, the type of modern stand up, you know, that uh, a lot of people do now. Definitely. He was the guy who started he off the at least in, in America. Yeah, for sure. You know, as it comes out with the newspaper, what's in the news? Well, blah, 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 and you don't get weekend update. You don't get anything like that if you don't have Mort Saul. Um, and the fact that it was improvised on stage as well. He was commenting on the newspaper. For the most part, it was fresh to him of, the, of that day. Yeah, for the most part. But then there's also the trick of uh, you've got your standard jokes locked sure, away. Sure. And so almost anything falls into... There's a corrupt politician. You've got mm. a corrupt politician joke. There's a horny politician. You've got a horny politician joke. Yeah. Hey, these kids today are doing this. You know, blah, 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 blah. There's, there's, there's ways you can play it and, and seem like you're freshening it up, but you're actually doing what it, what it you know, or, uh, old classics as well. Yeah. He, he wasn't uh, afraid to dip into the bag. Like, um, <laughs> you know, when you're hearing, like, take me to where the action is and go into the old fishing hole, it's yeah. a solid joke. Yeah. But I'm betting you could have heard a very similar joke to that, you know. Sure, From sure. a Fred Allen or yeah, some yeah, such. Yeah, No, I mean, his thing was more like the presentation of it. Yeah. He came on a stage. He, had a, he was dressed in a very preppy manner. He yeah. wore, like, a sweater and a shirt. He and was not wearing jacket. a suit. wasn't wearing a suit. He came out and he casually talked to the audience. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like, Hey, how's it going? Oh, my wife, my wife is that. No, he came out and he just, it was conversational. Yeah. So that was very new, very new feeling. But now you sent me a link to a Dick Cavett episode. Yeah. That was, uh, that put was it on Twitter fascinating. by Cliff Nesteroff. Okay. Uh, who, yeah, it's uh, a, it's an author and a, a comedy expert and on Twitter. He's, uh, at classic showbiz and, mm. uh, really you should check him out. He's done uh, a whole bunch of books on comedy. The most recent one, uh, we had a little real estate problem yeah. about Native Americans uh, in 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 comedy. But he's done so much that's so good. But yes, it was uh, it was Mortsall on the Dick Cavett show. Yeah, and it was well, I like nineteen seventy. I like to describe it as mortifying <laughs> because it, it was like a it was like uh, it was like a Eugene Levy Bobby Bittman character, oh. but like more. Uh, Even, dark the, and real and oh my God. bitterer. Yeah. 
like I lost my I lost my something at wounded ego. Like that guy is so um, like okay. So what happened to him happened to a, a few comedians at that time period. Paul Krasner's another guy. This happened to, and that was they got really wrapped up in the whole John F. Kennedy conspiracy murder yes. thing, and they kind of threw over their whole careers to pursue this quote unquote truth. He became like an accolade of Jim Garrison, the New Orleans DA, who's the subject of Oliver Stone's. Uh, quite fun, silly docu, silly docudrama, JFK, which is a very hypnotic film, but pretty silly at the same time. And then, uh, and he just kind of lost his sense of humor. And he lost his, he lost what was interesting about him or what was good about him. And also time, time passed him by and he resented it. He resented being pushed to the margins by new comedians, by yeah. new things that were happening that he couldn't keep up with anymore. And, you know, like in, in this show, I mean, he has the absolutely idiotic opinion that there's no such thing as an intellectual woman. Like, like what? Yeah. Is he talking about? Like, and then, yeah, so I, I just wanted to really quickly yeah. say, and Dick Cavett goes, so how about Margaret Mead? Is she a sex kitten? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you'd bring up Margaret Mead. But, you know, how about, and then later on, you know, like, uh, how about Ava Braun? Ava Braun? Yeah, really. Like, what, what are we talking about? Like, what, where where did we just go? Yeah, Ava yeah. Braun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a man, a woman who follows a man of power, like her, his, like the, the problem the chicks is, I know. Yeah, his. <laughs> that's the thing. He's a nightclub comedian. Yeah, which I think is an interesting thing when that John Simon come up, uh, comes out and says, uh, calls him an ex nightclub comedian. I thought, oh, yeah, because stand up comic didn't exist yet. Yeah, and as and, a, as a and t- John t- Simon t- is of course a critic, best known for his theater critic work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, but anyway, so uh, Saul, you know, his his life is revolved around nightclubs. His experience of women are nightclub employees and people habitués of nightclubs that's what he knew you know like he's not a sophisticated person he played a sophisticated person on stage yeah but he's not a sophisticated man and it's sad like his just you know his thing about you know i appeared over on over 30 talk shows last year and everyone's just kind of like, uh-huh. Yeah, and he's like, like, what can you say to that? You know, there's a newspaper article that said I was one of the five people that got John F. Kennedy elected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, one, it's 1970. Yes. Right now. Uh, two, uh, Kennedy's died. Yeah. So just bringing up Kennedy is a bit of a bummer. <laughs> uh, also, fuck no. What are you talking about? You know, maybe, yeah. maybe what the hell? You're forgetting the mob. How, how about forgetting the, the mafia. Yeah, how about, and also, I think it was the voters, but I get what you're going with. <laughs> but like, even if someone was to say that, the, the, you're not the guy to say that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's right. To go, here's yeah. how important I am. But yeah. look, you look like a sleazeball right no, now. No, you just, it's just, it, obviously, like I say, just like a wounded ego, like just so, and I mean, at the time, he's probably being vilified for, for all this silliness with, with Jim Garrison and all the Kennedy conspiracy theory i'm sorry if people believe that as a conspiracy but i i do not myself so um yeah and uh and then his other thing that he said was that gays are all rich yeah like yeah what well what, what he said gays? specifically was art, gays in the arts first of all it was a weird thing because he kept asking the theater critic so are there homosexuals in the arts i was like and the guy's like yeah yeah, yeah who cares? yeah there are there's a lot of you know especially you know and it gets into things like yeah a lot you know the uh the the, the, the clothes clo- what do you call people who make the clothes tailors tailors or what have you know the, the the people that dress the dressers you know a lot of them are and there's playwrights and there's a you know thing and uh, you know this and then he goes you know they do very well you know i've uh, i've never met a poor gay person they they, they they do very well what the hell are you 
you talking about? <laughs> no, it's just like, yeah, because you've never, once again, you. Excuse me, are you a homosexual? Yes. Well, here's your money. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, you're all rich. Yeah. Yeah, none of them were struggling at all. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just like, you this just want like, to turn to them and just go like, you're supposed to have a perspective on things. Like, it's a comedian. Yeah. You've got to, like, look at something and go, mm, does that make sense or not? Yeah, like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, you're not supposed to just, like, tout the, the main line idea. Like, this is just the time of, of Stonewall that he's saying this stuff. Like, F off, Mortsall. Yeah, and he, you're just waiting for the William F. Buckley uh, type uh, move where he's going to like threaten to punch the guy he, and he, it comes he did yeah and no, did. then it comes of course because you completely run out of gas with the car yeah and just like you know it's lucky you know say, say something like that around a guy like me you're just gonna get punched in the face well well you've lost now because <laughs> your whole thing is that you're the wittiest man alive right yeah, yeah. you gotta come back for everything you can this intellectual ain't gonna out talk you yeah i'm gonna punch you well <laughs> done you're a moron now you're just a thug you're just yeah. a dope yeah well yeah. That, what, that's what i mean his 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 sophistication was a put on you know it was based it was just a it was just the most basic playboy man's man stuff of the, your hi-fi system and bringing the girls back to the pad and all that stuff and he kind of puts down hefner a little bit but he was like a hefner buddy you know he's part of all that yeah. that uh that world you know and that it, yeah that he also, mentions it's a weird thing because he goes like you know hugh hefner and then he waits a beat you know, normally that gets applause. Just saying a name? No, it doesn't. <laughs> what are you talking about? For you got to have some context yeah. just out of nowhere. They're also politely waiting for you to tell the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah. And you're like getting mad at them as a like, oh, I should have got applause. <laughs> you're a dumb audience. Like he's, he's like the he's doing yeah. a lot of stuff where like, yeah, these guys all love me. Smatter, smatter, smatter. Ah, hell are you? It's just oh, Krusty is getting mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like com- a comedian hates more than uh, being irrelevant, and you could just see that. Yeah, mm, yeah. He's uh, like, yeah. And it's just such a shame. But I mean, he scene. threw it away. Yeah, he became obsessed with this with, with this Kennedy nonsense, and just you know, and it happened to a few comedians that time. Dick Gregory. I mean, Dick Gregory more honorably like threw himself into like. Uh, you know, black rights ish- activism and issues and stuff like that. But really, like, was no longer a comic anymore. Paul Krasner is an example of that. You know, it just happened to a few people. Like, they just kind of lost their... And in some ways, uh, it's weird that I'm going to bring this up, but there's a scene in Metropolitan where um, Charlie, the character Charlie, played by Taylor Nichols, has developed this idea that of the urban haute bourgeoisie, this, the more accurate term, the ubs. And he has this idea that they are that failure is the only outcome of their of their existence mm-hmm. and he says look, look at your your parents you know look at your dad your dad at some point in his life he gave up he you know he turned his t- he became more interested in uh supporting the arts or he you know became more this and that like everything but but deal with his actual work you know and that feels like with mort Saul, right you reach a point where you realize oh my god i'm irrelevant i'm becoming i'm losing my pace here I need to find something else to have, have attention. This thing, this Kennedy thing, this will keep me in the public's eye. I'll be able to like go on Johnny Carson and all those shows. I'll be on 30 shows this year promoting yeah. my goofy book. And yeah, it is goofy. And then you go like, okay, well, what did Woody Allen do? Okay, what did Bill Cosby do? Yeah. These all sound like bad things in context, <laughs> by the way. Mitch, and these <laughs> what, did, uh, what did Bob Newhart do? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Evolved. Yeah, yeah. Looked around and went, what's going on? Okay, I should change. Yeah. And instead, Mortsall stayed the same and mm-hmm. went, no, you fuckers change. Yeah. And that's what kills a comedy. 
is going like, no, you're wrong. You're all wrong. You're yeah. all wrong. I'm right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, no one, it's not going to say no one wants to see that. Yeah. You're still going to get your hardcore fan base over and over and over again sure, coming sure. to you. Yeah, yeah. And he kept doing stand up for about 50 more years. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just picturing well, this. I would, yeah, maybe I'll try and see if I can find some actual later on stand up. Yeah, I'm curious yeah. to know what, I mean. He was doing it up till a couple of years ago for it, sure. It couldn't have been good. Well, that's my feeling about it. Go. I could but be wrong. But, but it'd be interesting seeing what the perspective for is. For sure. Yeah, yeah. But just uh, all I was thinking, and again, we're getting yelled at because we got to go up for pizza. <laughs> um, I'm getting so many gifts sent to me right now. Uh, uh, what was that? What was I going to say? Uh, you picture this guy, you know, who's like, you know, those chicks think that they're going to blah, 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 and I'll tell you something about gays and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, okay, this is the kind of guy that I'm like, I want him to stay alive for a long time. Yeah. I want him to stay alive for a long time, and I want him to see what happens and just be shown he's wrong yeah. every step of the fucking way. And I'm like, what was it like for him for like all those years seeing like, no, nope. <laughs> you, it's not going to go back to the way it was for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, time doesn't go backwards. Time nope, doesn't go nope, backwards. Nope, yeah. nope, nope. Yeah. This is going you forward. Didn't, you didn't Shelley Berman your career, but you just about, you know, you just yeah. about immolated. Yeah, even fucking Jackie Mason had a comeback. Yeah. Jeepers. Let me just say one thing to Dick Cavett, though. Okay. Dick Cavett, your show format fucking sucked. That was garbage. To bring out, have all the guests out at the same time so one person can talk over, especially the ladies. Yeah. Like Alice Platon who came out. Who's, yeah, they had the two women come out later and, and, and so you know, this, how to deal with this knob. Yeah, like John Simon was respectful. He answered when they had a question for him or whatever, but he remained silent and just, you know, commented when required. But Saul so just talked over everyone and just hogged all, tried to hog the limelight and, oh, it's awful. Yep. Boo. Boo. Um, but yeah, if you want and to. And by see boo, the, I mean. If you want to see the clip, um, uh, classic showbiz. I'll uh, I'll I'll put, post it on the. I can't take these gifts. We gotta we gotta wrap up. <laughs> All right, everybody. Oh wait, our questions oh. for uh, oh our questions of the week. What's your favorite gift? What's your favorite gift? <laughs> okay. There was a there was a okay. question that I mentioned earlier on in the show, and I can't remember what it was now. Uh, your question was. I can't remember now. Sorry, I'll put it in. I'll find it. Put it in. How's that sound? Okay, sounds good. It's question number two. Uh, uh, question number two. Uh, what was the, uh, if you did, oh, oh, I know what it was. It was like, do they celebrate Halloween where you are? Okay. And if so, is it a big whoop? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm going to have a, another question on there. It's just like, uh, what was the coolest costume you saw this year? If you, if you did, uh, do Halloween, someone came to your door and like, oh, that's, that's a good one. Well done you on that. So that's two Halloween costumes. Dave, an unrelated question. Unrelated question is what is the most pointless remake? Just thinking of Dune. Not that I think it's pointless, but what do you think? What do you think? A remake out there that's just pointless or... Yeah. You why, might be saying, why do they do this? Is it the top five songs? They remake it on this show no. after they had it on the other one? No. What the? It can't be that. How dare you? What? Hey, if you want to write in and tell me that... Oh, thank God. I okay. dare you oh. to my face. Uh, you can do it this way, everybody. You can go to our website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. And there you will find a place for comments. And you can leave comments under this episode and tell us stuff that you want to tell us. That's always fun. We'd love to read your comments on the show. Uh, you can also email us. Like Rich Lewin emailed us this week at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That's always fun to read your emails, everybody. And we are on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. We have a Facebook page as well, which is called Sneaky Dragon. And we are on Patreon as Sneaky Dragon. If you like the show, please consider supporting us 
Yeah. Which keeps the lights on. And people are like, is it is it okay to give too much money? And we're like, yeah. Yeah. If you were worried about There's that, no like, would thing. they be insulted if we if we yeah. gave too much? No. No. A little bit, but it's okay. I'm just picturing that we it. must have at least a couple of millionaires out there who are <laughs> listening to the show. And like, what what can I do to help? And yeah. I'm like, uh, give us some of that. Sure. Jeff Bezos, I know you're a long-time listener. Throw us a bone. First-time spaceman. <laughs> Throw us a bone. Spaceman. All right. Everyone, thank you for listening to this show. Bye. When the moon hits your eye, like a big pizza pie, that's a goodbye. Didn't I say I'll start? Or just... Oh, I thought I said, uh, why don't you start? Or did I say, no, I'm sorry. Well, let's let's listen to the tape. <laughs> yes, let's go back and listen. Let's erase what we started doing and then we'll mm-hmm. start again. All right. Well, I got a mouthful of Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, it's perfectly time to start. I'll let you swallow. Very good. You ready? Huh? You ready? What are we doing? Starting the show. Are we doing D&D? <laughs> yes. Because we're a couple of nerds. <laughs> Disagree.